Welcome, everyone. And we sure love Warner Brothers, DC, and HBO properties here. This is SMGP63. I'm your host, David Rad, former writer of Games Industry Biz, Industry Gamers, and GamerFeed. With me, somebody who is definitely the Harley Quinn of this podcast, is my editor, contributor, and partner in potting. It's Tuesday. Uh, I I was incredibly called out, except not really, when you were like, hey, no wonder the second character you picked to play as was Harley Quinn. And I was like, <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even argue that. Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> I was like, what's the most Tuesday thing that Tuesday could do? It's like, you know, pick out Harley Quinn from this list? Like, yep, yep. Mentally unstable woman checks out. (laughs) Mentally unstable blonde, like uh, with uh, with with tattoos, depending on which incarnation of it is. It's just like, yep, we're uh, we're checking all the boxes. Yep, Um, I I'm still working on getting tattoos. That's that's a different story for a different podcast. But uh, (laughs) man, oh man, that's yep, it's the goal. Mentally unstable tattoo, life falling apart, maybe a little criminal. That's fine. It's your your other podcast, which is uh, based around the Garfield meme of I hate uh, Mondays, I hate Tuesdays. <laughs> I um, hate Tuesdays. Hi, I'm Tuesday. Starting at the first <laughs> list, me. <laughs> anyway, howdy. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, we will. Uh, that podcast doesn't exist, and we will not be talking about tattoos, but we will be talking about multiverses. The weird catch-all game that has uh, everything potentially under Warner Brothers' discovery discovery's ownage, which is uh, quite a bit. But uh, but before that, again, want to call out Patreon.com/sngp. Thank you to Cinco Boy Forty Two for your patronage, and uh, and as always, just wanted to thank everybody for whatever you give and uh, for your for your listenership, of course. Many thanks. Now, uh, I'll switch over to my housekeeping for the week. Uh, I will just note, as far as uh, something related to the... That this is an incidental aside that like isn't going to be as part of any arguments for or against Activision Blizzard, at least uh, it's up not amongst uh, gamer nerds, but... Part of the reason I'm not exactly thrilled of it happening is just because I don't even feel like Microsoft has been a particularly good steward of the properties they already own. Uh, I mean, you th- think about the the Fable franchise, which has had its fans, but like hasn't had a new entry in over a decade, and from uh, all signs, they've had difficulty producing a sequel. They've uh, also had difficulty producing a sequel to Perfect Dark, but they're working on that. Uh, and think about all the rare properties that I wouldn't say they've done a especially great job with, like Blast Core, Battletoads, Banjo Kazooie, many many others. Like, uh, and this isn't putting aside like as I've complained about before. I felt like Gears Four and uh, Halo Five Sentinels, which were under the studios that they created to handle those properties were lesser than the incarnations that were made by uh, Epic and Bungie, respectively. Uh, I Maybe they'll eventually get there, but like so far I feel like they've le- relied a lot on driving games and survival games, and uh, I don't know, like it, uh, 
I I would it would be nice if their output was a little better, but uh, uh, and it does seem like Hi-Fi Rush might be a step in the right direction for them. Uh, but yeah, I've I've heard nothing but good things about Hi-Fi Rush. So I mean, hey, they if if that's what they got going for them, like at least uh, with um, Tango GameWorks. That's a studio that like does weird, bizarre things, and that's gonna give them a unique product at least, instead of like, uh, I don't know, Halo. I honestly like if you had shown me a picture of like Halo uh, maps and Battlefield maps, odds are I would not be able to tell you a difference. <laughs> the only game that I can say that Hi-Fi Rush like runs a little bit too uh, counter to um, is uh, Jet Set Radio, which. Sega's not doing anything with so. Yeah, most definitely. But, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, whole other argument could be made about like Sega not doing any anything with their vast stock back catalog of wonderful properties, but uh, that's neither here nor there. It is worth noting for like High Fire Rush. Like, I realize that Shinji Mikami is more t- channeling his like God Hand half, like as opposed to his survival horror half. Like, oh just yeah, that's true. Wacky. He was a God Hand guy, wasn't he? Yep, yep, that was that was totally him. So, uh, so yeah, like, <laughs> but and it is good to see like uh, T- Tango GameWorks settling on something that um, might become serious, or at least like it seems to be at this point pretty well universally loved. Even Yahtzee Croce liked it. So that's uh, a high bar to clear. Yeah, in, indeed, indeed. Uh, but. Uh, I will also just say, like on a personal level, I've I've noted that people like whenever I've talked about a successor to a Nintendo system, like whether it is the uh, the the Wii, the DS, uh, the 3DS, I've had people that have been shocked and dismayed when I've told them like it, like no, they're going to replace it, they're going to have a new one. Uh, I, like I get it from like having a personal emotional connection, but like it's it's odd how like in particular people form emotional connections to Nintendo consoles, uh, and I think in that same regard, like it has also happened with the Switch at all, a Switch as well, and uh, I don't think it's something that Nintendo is relishing towards rushing into because of the success of the Switch, but like it's pretty clear that. Uh, they are planning for something, and they should, because like, you you just can't stay stand absolutely pat when it comes to hardware. Uh, mm. You sh- you should you should have a, a new one every seven or so years or so. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. I think maybe the switch will last a little bit longer, just because of the massive numbers that it's been doing for Nintendo. But yeah, they're definitely already thinking, if not already working on their next console. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think there's games already being made made for them, like somewhere d- deep in the recesses of their uh, uh, of their studios in Kyoto, uh, and maybe even in uh, in retro. Uh, yeah, retro. Um, I uh, I am going to go out on a limb and say, despite the fact that it is coming out in May, they're probably working on a sequel to Tears of the Kingdom. I mean, they're they're almost certainly like internally pitching like, okay, next Zelda, what oh, yeah, is it? Absolutely. Uh, and uh, and I'm sure people are are saying like, oh god, oh god, how do we follow that up? And maybe running and jumping out of a window or something like that out of mm. panic. But uh, 
Now, uh, the, the problem with the gold rush of companies moving into live serv- the live service game space is that uh, a, lot, uh, a lot of the games on the top aren't going anywhere. Fortnite, Fall Guys, and Rocket League have all been on top for a, year, for a while, and those are just the ones owned by Epic. Now, if you look at the list of top three-to-play games on on plat- platforms like month to month, like Sony's actually very helpful in that they will release statistics on their most popular free-to-play games. You can see that the popular ones are very entrenched now and don't and don't really move. Uh, they, I'm reminded of the gold rush around MMOs uh, after the success of World of Warcraft, uh, and there were many many attempts to try and replicate that formula. But World of Warcraft didn't go anywhere, uh, and maintaining a subscription service game uh, is actually quite difficult. Um, and I now I feel like that market has more or less dried up. Uh, to give an ex- example for like how uh, like yet another game was announced to have closed down relatively recently, Crossfire X. Uh, do you remember hearing about that? You you might not have. I, um, you honestly could have just announced Crossfire X today, and I would have <laughs> believed you. It's, uh, it, I believe it first got shown off at the Game Awards 2021. It is, it was developed by Remedy, uh, and published by Smilegate, which is a Korean publisher. Oh, I feel like uh, I know it, Smilegate. I feel like they've done something I might like. I yeah. don't know. The name sounds yeah, familiar. Yeah, yeah. Probably. You've almost certainly heard of Smilegate before, but it released on February 10th, 2022, but it will end service on May 18th, 2023. And that just shows, like, the difficulty in trying to find a market. Like, even if you say, like, oh, hey, like, online service shorter games, like, those are popular. Let's try and do one of those. Like, like what are they competing with? Like, Call of Duty Warzone, uh, PUBG, Fortnite, Apex Legends. Like, and those games aren't going anywhere. They're very firmly established. Like, you're going to have to compete with that. Uh, and, like, added to the list of various uh, online service games that uh, are to be shut down this year, including, like, Apex uh, Mobile, Knockout City, Rumbleverse, Dragon Quest, The Adventures of Die, A Hero's Bond, Kratia, uh, Fi- uh, Final Fantasy VII, The First Soldier. Like, it's actually really tough to to be in this space, and uh, and if it screws up and you don't have a market, then like if you can't maintain it, then like you don't even have a game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's almost like it, making a paid title is better because players actually <laughs> like to engage with that content. But what do I know? It's like I said, you can sell it in perpetuity with uh, with minimal service. So you know. Now, uh, uh, good guy Mick Gordon re- uh, recently announced that he was donating the fee he received for composing Atomic, Ar- uh, Atomic Heart to uh, uh, to the Australian Red Cross's Ukrainian Crisis Appeal, quote, in support of the people of Ukraine who are heroically defending their country against ag- aggression. Why is he doing this, you might ask? Well, because there have been credible allegations that uh, the game's developer, Munfish, uh, has direct links between uh, the Russian government and Russian investors. Uh, 
these it's worth noting the setup uh, of the game is such that you t- you were the role of a KGB agent in an alternative future where the Soviet Union developed advanced re- robotics and other technology that enabled it to, to defeat Nazi Germany. So that in and of itself is a kind of like borderline, like, you know, hey, right, you know, you know, Russia good, uh, Russian propaganda sort of message to it. So a little dubious, uh, yeah. And the, yeah, and the uh, uh, and for Munfish themselves, uh, they they have been honestly kind of coy about like where uh, like what their backing is and whatnot. Like they are incorporated in Cyprus, uh, which is kind of like the Delaware of Europe. Um, it's it's kind of where all like corporations uh or not all of them but like definitely some of the more specious ones incorporate so anyways my my perspective in all this is like again like mcgordon showing that he's a good guy but also uh honestly munfish if if this remains i don't think i can support atomic heart in any way so yeah i i feel like i remember the name atomic heart now that you say mick gordon and i'm like oh hey Gosh, is that a first-person survival horror game? Uh, I believe so, Okay, yes. then yeah, I, I remember so. being like, first-person survival horror, I don't think there's combat in it, so I wasn't interested in it anyways, but um, Mick Gordon's cool anyway, so heck yeah. Mick Gordon, yeah. please make a solo album so I can buy 70 of them. You're so cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, I really, you're one of the best uh, composers on the planet. But, uh, but, uh Bobby Kotick uh, actually made public appearances lately, um, clearly sensing that the deal to be acquired by Microsoft is in peril. Uh, he he did he did a couple of interviews. Um, uh, it's not worth worth repeating the vast majority of the interviews since it's it's literally just repeating all of the bullet points that Activision and Microsoft had made in the past, talking about like how like. Oh, like the industry is actually far bigger than this. It's bigger on phones, blah blah blah. Like, I I will say like I, even though like gaming uh, like free to play gaming on mobile phones is technically video games. It's technically part of the same industry. I really consider it separate from like premium games, just because the design of those games and the way they make money is completely different. But um, yeah. Anyways, that's just an aside. Uh, but on top, on top of all that, like his public convention, and I know I complained recently about uh, IGN having um, uh, the 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 Xbox boss uh, in their uh, like down for an interview and like asking permission before asking hard questions. I will say like uh, like at least they were willing to ask some hard questions. In this case, like there's a lot of things I would love to ask Bobby Kotick, but in this case, like where he went on to, like none of those questions were asked. Uh, it was just him basically getting to put put out his perspective, including uh, him uh, him issuing like I, I don't know like a veiled threat to to the UK. Uh, saying that like your prime minister says you want to become the Silicon Valley of uh, uh, of Europe, and it was like, but it'll become the Death Valley instead if you say no to this deal. Oh, uh, shut up and go away, please. <laughs> and I, uh, I looked it up. Like they have two support studios in the UK. So, anyways, I don't like 
they they don't have a, a big foot, footprint there but like uh, but on top of all that there are reports that if the deal doesn't go through he will reportedly remain at Activision Blizzard at C- as CEO uh, Gross. because yes because he is a a person who has done everything to cling on to his power, and I'm sure to his point, it's like they moved past enough of the controversies long enough that, like, even after the sale, which has consumed news for like the past over a year, as it should to a degree, but like mm-hmm. if it doesn't go through, it's just like oh, like people will just like accept it, like that he's still in charge, uh, though. Yeah, as I said, all I really want is for him and other majors, members of the board to just resign and, like, new leadership to come in. Uh, I feel like Activision Blizzard desperately needs that. Uh, as they... And we're definitely not done talking about them today, but uh, that's just me. Dang it. Yeah, yeah. That's Thought just I got away. No, 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 you're not that lucky. Um, it's just me in particular calling out to Mr. Connick. Uh, also, it's uh, the Grammy Award for Best Video Game Soundtrack went to the uh, expansion, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Dawn of Ragnarok. Definitely not the worst on the list of uh, Aliens Fireteam Elite, Call of Duty Vanguard, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Old World. Not what, but not what I would pick. Uh, I will just say I desperately hope next year that some Japanese companies actually get nominated for this award. Uh, since uh, they <laughs> some of the best game music in the world comes out of Japan. Uh, I think we both can agree that. Yeah, cough, so, guilty gear, strive, cough. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly like like the Final Fantasy series. Um, yeah, te- uh, Tekken. Uh, that's just off the top of my head for like the absolute best of the best. But like, yeah. Japan not only produces some of the best games, but also definitively some of the best game music, and they need to be represented. And if we're having games like Alien Fireteam Elite on there next year, as opposed to like some uh, some brilliant ja- like as opposed to like Elden Ring or something like that, um, and I if I had to guess, I'm guessing that probably God of War Ragnarok will win that award next year just because of the weird delay that the Grammys have. But like, but still, uh, but putting all of that aside. Uh, Tuesday, what has been lining up your system this week? Yes, uh, it should be no surprise that... Well, actually, it might be a surprise, because I'm very inconsistent. But I have been playing more uh, <laughs> Fire Emblem, because uh, game's great. Fire Emblem is great. Love, love me some Fire Emblem Engage. Uh, specifically Engage, because I um, have probably broken myself for all of the older games and will likely not be able to play them. But anyway... <laughs> Uh, Fire Emblem Engage is great. Um, some of the new uh, DLC is out, which I do have the DLC pack. Um, I haven't gotten super deep into it because, like, with um, uh, the emblems that were released in DLC were Soren um, from Path of Radiance, uh, Camilla from Fire Emblem Fates, and Hector from... I don't know what game Hector is from, uh, honestly. Right. 
Fire Emblem. Fire, just vanilla Fire Emblem. Okay. Um, yeah, the first Fire Emblem. Okay, great. Um, I have been told to wait until you have the respective emblems to get to those chunks, uh, just because there are fun interactions with, um, for example, Ike and Soren, um, and uh, Corin and um, Camilla. I do want to say um, when Engage was announced, and we didn't know a whole lot about it. Like we didn't know. We we thought, oh, every every uh, emblem is or every character is likely to be an emblem, or at least some characters are likely to be an emblem. I saw a video of a guy like ranking all of the uh, odds of characters being emblems. He got to Camilla and was like, Camilla's going to be in the game because, come on, it's Camilla. Uh, yep, Camilla's in the game. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, uh, no question about that. Uh, for those who don't know Camilla, she's Fire Emblem fan service. She is now currently the face of Fire Emblem when you think about how gross it can get. Um, God, Camille is a problem. Anyways, um, I uh, the thing that I'm kind of noticing, and I think I said this a little bit before, is that I'm not really great at using emblems all that much because sometimes they kind of run together, and that's still kind of the case. Uh, the only emblem that I consistently know how to use well is actually um, the uh, emblem of rivals, which is... Uh, the three houses uh, lords in their um, school uh, attires, um, which is Edelgard, Claude, and Dimitri. Uh, and the only reason I know how to use them effectively is because I keep them strapped onto Toothpaste Chan uh, for the entirety of the game so far. And um, they've been really good. Like, one of their biggest perks is the fact that um, they have an inherent, like, I think it's 1.25% XP boost. Um, which is pretty useful because honestly, all things considered, um, Toothpaste Chain is not the best Lord I've, I've played in the game, in the series so far. Like, um, I know that you have spoken about how, um, in Path of Radiance, Ike is just, um, a one-man army as far as that goes. Uh, in Awakening, in my experience, Krom is a god killer. Um, and Alir so far, granted I'm probably only like mid-game, I would say, Alir isn't that great. Like, she does fine. Uh, Alir, Toothpaste Jan, obviously. She does fine, but, like, as far as, like, high damage numbers and stuff goes, it's actually kind of coming out to be the mages or the archers that are, are on my team, which is kind of rare in a Fire Emblem game. Um, but, I mean, all one and the same. Like, I, I still keep the, um, what I have affectionately been calling the weird roommate bracelet uh, for... Um, the emblem of rivals because it's kind of funny to imagine that they're all ghosts and stuck in a room together um but i i've been keeping that strapped onto a toothpaste chan and it's been pretty decent i like that one because like it's uh every at the start of your turn um it'll randomly select which uh emblem to use um and that kind of keeps that effective like because it'll give you um, if you engage with it, it'll give you, um, Edelgard's, like, weapon, but then you can also get Dimitri's, you can also get Claude's, um, once you have engaged with them, uh, you do get a respective skill that kind of corresponds with them, like, Dimitri's able to just completely block out any range damage, uh, Edelgard is able to, like, I think she's able to just do, like, crazy critical damage, I'd, I'd have to check on that, um, and then I know that, uh, Claude's skill just gives you poison arrows, um, so that one, that one is really effective. Um, 
One thing that I have explored a little bit is paralogs. Uh, in this game, they are a little bit different than they have been in past ones in that uh, starting from Awakening, they're kind of where you start to recruit uh, different characters. Uh, in Awakening, they're mostly reserved for child units. Um, in, I believe, in Fates, they're also reserved for child units. In um, this game, they are actually directly correlated with the emblems themselves in that uh, they are references to the maps that they come from. And I played a little bit around with those. Um, it was actually... It's interesting because um, I... Uh, with Weird Roommate Bracelet, you don't need to do a paralog for it um, because it'll just automatically go to the uh, maximum bond. But with every other uh, with every other emblem, you do have to do um, the uh, paralog to get them to max out on their bond, which is like giving you more skills, giving you more utility of each emblem. Um, those are kind of fun. Um, it's a little weird because, like, I have only sort of been getting used to um, who I want to put uh, emblems on, respectively. I've put Lin, uh, an archer, on Alchrist, who is also an archer, because um, I don't think, like, putting melee emblems on archers is all that effective. Melee archers are emblems. Um, and then, lo and behold, when you go and do Lin's paralog, Lin is just hanging out on the battlefield away from you, and you gotta beat her up, and it's like, dang it, now uh, Alchrist is a little bit less useful. Um, but uh, other than that, yeah, I still really love Engage. It's it's just really bright, colorful. Like, it's... I'm, I'm glad that I took the time away from Fire Emblem after playing... Um, Fates in quick succession after Awakening, and then Echoes after Fates. Um, and then when I initially picked up Three Houses, I was like, uh, this feels the same. Uh, Engage feels different enough. It feels kind of like Awakening Light, but also like it It just feels fresh, fluid. It's pretty to look at, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a nice game. If, if you've... The one thing that I think is kind of a bummer, and I think I commented on this as well, is that like when you have emblems from older games that haven't come out in America, uh, the references don't really make sense. I'm just like, cool, I have no idea who this is. I have no idea who your respective accessories are referencing, but um, good for you. I'm, I'm glad you had an adventure somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like uh, if there's anything past Awakening, there's a good chance that... Uh, even a decent number of dedicated fans will not know those games. Mm. Uh, just because I feel like for so many people, like, the series kind of started at Awakening. Yeah. Um, Which, like, that's that's kind of the cool thing, is that, like, um, with each of the emblems, um, you can then create what are called bond rings, which are just essentially... Um, still image emblems, they don't have models like uh, Lucina or uh, Corin or the rest of the emblems have fully modeled 3D models. Uh, they're just uh, image of the character. And then they're just stat boosts. Like, the bond rings can actually be very effective if used correctly in combat. Um, I have gotten... There are, I believe, 10 uh, characters from each game across four different tiers, so like 40 bond rings... Uh, per game, and I got all of the ones from Awakening, because I'm like, oh, I remember this character, and oh, this character does that, that's cool, that's a neat, nice, neat little reference. Um, the one thing that's kind of funny is that, like, they are doubling up on Krom, because Krom and Robin are gonna be, uh, the next DLC pack, and then Krom is, like, uh, the top tier, uh, character for the Awakening pack, and it's like, eh, weird. 
But, I mean, I, that's, I don't know. That's just a weird thing. Yeah, it does sound like the combat systems does some neat things. Like, there's some neat adapt- adaptability. I'm glad, like, Three Houses On, it seems like they've really dedicated towards making characters less immutable, mm-hmm. uh, which I think was a serious problem in Fire Emblem before, like, uh, and is just a fact of life in uh, Fire Emblem Radiant Dawn, which I'll be talking about a little bit in a bit. But, um, uh, so, yeah, you were mentioning Camilla. Uh, is that the is that the character that was designed by the H-Artist? Um, <laughs> no, uh, that character is in um, this game. Uh, she uses her better design. That character is Celica, but you would be very surprised that Camilla is not designed by the H-Artist. <laughs> okay. I did notice, like, what they gave her. Like, they like she didn't forget her skirt uh, in this game. No. So, like, otherwise... Uh, Otherwise, her like in her original appearance, uh, she forgot her skirt, so her her outfit looks very very dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, in her on her character model, God, I hate Fates so much. I I actually don't. Fates is <laughs> Fates is middling. Uh, at, that's that's my criticism of it. But like in Fates, her character model doesn't wear pants, so like her underwear is just there, and her ass is hanging out <laughs> the entire yeah. time. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I'm sorry, I should say, like, I guess the skirt is there originally, but it's, like, sheer. Yeah. So, like, it, it might as well not be there. And here they made it, like, actually opaque. It actually looks like a skirt. Anyways, like, you're you're right. I, I am aware of, of Camilla and her just absolutely ri- ridiculous... Uh, oh God. I, yeah. I sent um, the, the opening gif that you see of Camilla, the one where she's walking forward... And, um, like, you, you absolutely know the GIF. Uh, if not, I'll send it to you on Discord, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, I know that GIF. Um, but, like, oh, yeah. where she's walking forward, her her uh, assets are a little bit jiggly, and my friend was like, oh, hey, I didn't know that <laughs> one-handed animation was actually a talent that Intelligent Systems had. <laughs> okay, I need to see that. <laughs> I hate it so much. That's that's the gif. It's like <laughs> it's like she's entirely made out of jello. Yes. Uh, it's oh god, fates, turn, please, oh, oh. fates, eat your wheaties, <laughs> calm down. Oh boy. You know, I mean, you can't really get that out of Fire Emblem now. I I'm certain of that, but like, I'm glad to see that they've toned it down like a little bit. Mm. Uh, <laughs> like all that's considered, I think, like there are only like two or three characters in Engage that are really annoyingly booby, but they're never as bad as Camilla. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, also you can't like marry people and have weird magic children with them. Yeah. So uh, maybe it's just as well that you get away from that. I think that contributed to like this weird neuroticism among. Uh, Fire Emblem fans, if I had to guess. Yeah, and and that's like the other nice thing. This is complimenting Three Houses, because again, Three Houses, one of my favorite games last year, uh, definitely just amazing friggin' game. Three Houses is so dark compared to Awakening and Fates. Like, magic children don't fit in that game. (laughs) 
I think there's lessons to be learned from both games mm -hmm. uh, that I think they will take going forward. I think in particular, like, I, I like how dynamic the battles look. Yeah. Uh, I love the portraits popping up and, like, the little animation before everything. Like, that. that is that is something that needs to stay yeah. in the series going forward. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. I also, I also really, I did compliment it last time. I'm gonna compliment it again because it just feels so good. I think it could be tuned up just a teeny, teeny, tiny bit, um, but like the ARPG light movement, where like you're not, you know, controlling where a chess piece goes, but you're controlling the actual character, that absolutely needs to stay. It's such a nice little uh, accessibility feature that, like, if you want to, you can go back to the old way, but like it, it just makes the game feel a lot faster. I, I fully agree with that as well. I know uh, Mario and Rabbit Sparks of Hopes did, did something kind of similar to that. Like, I mean, you could actually do other things in real time, but, like, the free movement, I think, is just a smart idea, yeah. like, even for something that is technically grid-based. So. Uh, but to continue on with our Fire Emblem block, uh, what's been lighting up my system most recently is Fire Emblem Radiant Dawn, regretfully. Uh, now, I haven't actually advanced the story very much, despite having put time into it, and there's a reason for that. So, okay, I'm right at the final tower sequence. There's a sequence right before you pick your final team, uh, like a story, like you, you're in your base, and then you, and then like, uh, you can say fight and you advance up and then it's like okay pick pick your your people that you're going to have since so like you can't take all of your units into the tower you can only select 10 uh, and you and you get another six plus one of the uh, swans if they are still alive uh, and uh, and this would have been fine, uh, and I would have altered things, uh, and I would have gone from this screen to try, try and like, okay, yank off everything off of people that uh, that I'm not going to use and whatnot. And you have access to everything on the screen, with the exception of character skills. Uh, so because of that, I was like, okay, so I have to go back. And I have to yank all of the character skills off of the characters back at the base. Uh, and I should really decide what ten units I'm going to have from there. Mm, okay. Clunky. I was just like, okay. I was just like, oh, why do you have to make this as difficult as possible, Radiant Dawn? Uh, so I went back to that previous screen, since fortunately I didn't save over that. Um, and... Uh, I had to make some hard choices to get down to my 10 units. Uh, but I think I definitively have my 10 best units. Uh, surprisingly, I, I actually have no Cavaliers on that team. Uh, there were a lot of Cavaliers that were really, really close, but like, uh, like if I, if I had to pick, incidentally, if I had to choose like all 16 of units, like I definitely would have had a few Cavaliers, but like, uh, but actually none, because like, uh, I have a couple of Wyvern Knights, which are absolutely fantastic. A couple of the Hawk people, uh, which are which are also amazing. Uh, and I also have like I mean, as far as healers, it was not hard because I have access to Queen Alicina. 
Like she it, she is a Pegasus Knight, so she moves around like that. So her movement is great, uh, and she can heal. Uh, and also, she has a, a magical sword which doesn't wear down uh, and attacks twice. Uh, and uh, and she's very quick, so oftentimes she attacks four times. Uh, so she's a so she's an awesome combatant and also a healer. So like that was not a hard choice for like okay, what's the healer of the team? It's, it's Elsia. There, bam. Okay, moving on. Uh, but deciding between all of my units, making all the hard choices, and like yanking off all the equipment, yanking off all the skills, deciding what I want, blah blah blah. The game again, it is just drowning in minutia at every turn. Mm. Uh, and yeah, I'm I'm really like the the game. Like I said, the the game feels like a punishment to test me. Uh, it's oh fire emblem. Yeah. Yeah, it's so. No actual going into a mission progress, but like, hey, like choosing your new units, like that takes time. Uh, if you're gonna choose the absolute best, so. Um. Yeah, it's uh, that's that's the part that Fire Emblem fans love the most is the friggin' spreadsheets that you gotta make to play the game. Stupid. <laughs> oh, this was this was spreadsheets peak. Okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's probably a good thing that Awakening and the like after kind of stepped away from that, unless you're really crazy. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm pretty sure in Engage you can get crazy with spreadsheeting, but um, yeah, gross. Yeah, it, exactly. Like, um, and I'm sure, like, there's also, like, harder... Like, Fire Emblem also used to be harder now, like, at, at this stage, at the Radiant Dawn stage. Yeah. Uh, there, there were multiple difficulty levels, but you, you still like would lo- would lose units if they died. So yeah, when you were talking about your like crazy uh, healer lady with like a magic sword that doesn't break that attacks twice, I was like, oh, that's a friggin' given. And then I was like, oh wait, units die <laughs> because yeah, uh, for those I- who do not know, I play on casual because I I'm a small baby. Um, oh man, uh, yeah, that's crazy and scary. <laughs> Yeah, there uh, was Awakening the first one that had like a casual difficulty level. Uh, Technically, no. It was the remake of Mystery of oh, the Emblem, uh, New Mystery of the Emblem, I believe. Uh, but that game did not come out in America. Uh, that game also okay, had okay. Uh, the first instance of the Avatar unit uh, that was improved upon in um, uh, Awakening Fates, also used in Three Houses. Um, but uh, casual mode was first introduced in America in Awakening. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I know for the, I guess technically the, the sequel to Shadow Dragon. I guess. Yeah. Uh, Shadow Dragon, the uh, the actual next entry that was nearly bad enough to kill the franchise. Uh. I you know I've like I have Shadow Dragon on DS and I've played a little bit of it and I like it. I think it's just like the fact of the matter is is that like it came out like at a time where like fire emblem itself was not necessarily super popular and like it's just even at that time like there were other srpgs on ds that like did srpg stuff just better and more user-friendly i'm not necessarily saying that fire emblem itself needs to be in the hardcore classic camp but like Oh man, old Fire Emblem, like pr- everything pre-awakening 
is really dated and you can tell that IS had and intelligence systems had no intention of updating it until Nintendo was yeah. like, Hey, if this if this stuff doesn't start doing numbers, say bye bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I don't know what they'd be doing, but it wouldn't be Fire Emblem. So yeah. uh, But yeah. But to move on to a game that I actually played to exclusion and played a little bit more of, I played Perfect Dark. Uh, now, the version of Perfect Dark I played was the version that was on the, the Rare Replay, which is available for Xbox. Um, but it is it is the same game, except like they updated some of the textures to look not like a Nintendo 64 game. Mm. Uh, so... So, so that's a plus, obviously. But it, for all other intents and purposes, it is the same game, uh, including the fact that it is, it is a first-person shooter from that Nintendo 64 era, wherein, like, you're really not supposed to precise aim a lot of the time. Like, the game auto-aims uh, a lot. Like, you just come within range of looking at it at, uh, at a enemy, and, uh, and Joanna will point her gun at the uh, at the enemy so isn't it also like a stealth game so you shouldn't necessarily use your gun all that often i i've never played perfect dark so there it, like she's a secret agent but i mean like she's also a secret agent like james bond okay so, like i i was literally um, just gonna say a james bond secret agent where an m16 yeah. is not uh <laughs> unusual oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah so I mean, there are some stealth portions, including, like, a kind of frustrating section where you have to, uh, you have to use an explosive to, like, get into this part of a secret base, and then you knock out a scientist, you technically use his outfit, so, like, you assume a disguise, uh, and then you have to put away your weapon, and then go into this particular section, you have to, like, in order to get past a door, like, you have to put on this disguise, and then if you do that, then, like, when you're discovered, it's okay because, like, the person that has the key you need will, will like, spawn that key. And if you don't, if you somehow screw it up along the way, then the person will not spawn that key when you kill them. That's annoying. Uh, yeah. yeah, and this game is filled with stuff like that. Like, just, there there will just be fail states like that, uh, scatter, like, scattered throughout the level. And uh, if you hit that fail state wherein, like, you... Uh, you hit a failable objective, uh, it will say, uh, you know, mission failed, you can restart the mission. Which I guess, like, lets you explore a little bit more. It does feel kind of weird and wonky that, like, you you basically hit a game over, but you are still playing the game. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and particularly given the, like, obtuse nature of what it wants some of the time and like some of the very long corridors like again like calling back to it's nintendo 64 uh roots back when like you know hey yo like textures they take up a lot of space space in a cartridge tuesday work so we're gonna make everything as uniform as possible nice uh, yeah so there's a lot of very samey long levels that are are in the game um And, yeah, it is... And the atmosphere of it is super weird. Like, you can tell this was by the people who made GoldenEye, like, from the obvious James Bonding of it. Uh, but at the same time, it also feels like a mashup of, like, X-Files and government conspiracy theories. 
like turn of the millennium uh, stuff, cyberpunk, uh, along with James Bond, like all meshed into one. I'm not gonna lie, I so- kind of love those like throw it at the wall, see what sticks video game stories because they're <laughs> so stupid. It this well this story is very stupid like that <laughs> that that ends on like you're you're taking down like a cyberpunk uh, corporation at the start of it and the and at the end you're fending off an alien invasion. It's um, so, so dumb. I love it. It, it is it is very dumb. As I noticed to the friend I was playing with, like if you made perfect dark today like this, then it wouldn't be anything like this because this feels, it feels so late nineties. Um, just the weird mashup of ideas it, it has going on. Uh, yeah, I'm because it's because the, uh, the shooting is auto aim. It's just, I don't know. Like it's a, I don't find that super satisfying, and like, and all of the vague mission goals that can uh, result in uh, uh, mission failed. And it's worth noting the missions themselves, while most of them are not super long, if you fail, then like, there's no checkpoints. You go back to the beginning. Uh, so that kind of wore on me uh, after time. I, I think some of the weapons are a little bit creative as well. Um, Rare was very good at that back then, mm-hmm. but anyways, it. I mean, speaking of games, like I, I'm talking about two games that feel like very much of their times and and long in the tooth nowadays. Like Perfect Dark definitely felt like that. Um, I don't feel like there's any real going back to it now, uh, unless you played it back in the day or are really enchanted by Nintendo 64 first person shooters. Uh, yeah, it sounds a little uh sounds a little weird and wonky. Definitely, definitely. I think even people who like the game would definitely argue that nowadays. Like I I remember the rare collection like coming out and being like, "Oh man, this is the only game that I wish I had an Xbox 1 for," which uh, I'm I'm sure is not the first time that anyone said that sentence um i so the rare collection is only like essentially graphical updates right yes okay. yes hmm. yeah the i believe uh and some of them maybe maybe not even that i'm pretty sure this version of perfect dark was just the re-release it had on the xbox 360 oh yeah that's right Um, that's right because when they did perfect dark zero a game that everybody loves um they also (laughs) remastered at the time what that meant uh a uh perfect dark yes and uh and it is co-op and i and i noted like the uh so you play as if somebody slightly different, I I joke that uh, my friend was playing Blue and a Blark. She she plays Joanna and all the uh, and all the X-rated parodies, but yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, the the name that we're not able to to say on this uh, on this podcast. <laughs> it did, but yeah, it so so perfect dark. Uh, again, if anybody has really fond memories of this, maybe just leave it in your memories. Uh, that's probably my suggestion. But, what are you talking about? Uh, Nostalgia never fails. 
nostalgia never fails. Leave the memories alone. Um, but putting that aside, Tuesday, what else has been lining up your system this week? Yes, I have uh, also been playing uh, a teeny tiny tiny itty bitty bit of Borderlands 1 on my Steam Deck. Uh, just because uh, we live in the future. Uh, I remember when this game came out, I was actually a freshman in high school. Um, and that was when I had a PSP and a uh, DS, like a chunky, fat DS. Uh, and now I'm playing this game on a handheld. It's wild how time has evolved. But anyways, um, <laughs> uh, I, I quite like uh, Borderlands. I, I will admit that like it's kind of hard for me to follow the story at the moment because like the version that I'm playing, I feel like is a little bit glitchy. Uh, when I pick up audio files, like, sometimes it'll, like, show the, um, like, subtitles for it, and then, like, something will happen, and it's just like, yeah, never mind, subtitles aren't important. Um, so I, some, some story bits I'm getting, some I am not. Um, it's, I don't know that that's the worst thing in the world, because the game itself is quite fun. I, I like, uh, I like myself a good first-person shooter from time to time. Uh, Doom Eternal, love that game. Uh, good old-fashioned action, shooting, gunning. Uh, this game kind of fills the same void, uh, just with a nice little uh, action RPG Diablo loot kind of system going on for it, and that's that's pretty fun. Um, I am playing as a siren because I am, um, and I, I quite uh, like laying into SMGs. Uh, I'm sort of the thing that like I think is kind of a hindrance of mine is that like with uh these diablo-esque games uh with like loot systems and character classes is that like uh a game is like ah you, you'll benefit to play with these skills this skill tree and i'm like i just i just want to shoot stuff game um and and there was definitely a hard like difficulty like floor at that point in, in early game where it's like, oh wow, the weapons I'm getting are having a very hard time doing any damage to any enemies. Um, and Borderlands is actually a little bit mean in that, like, uh, level differences, like, between... I was level 12. I was going up against uh, a couple enemies that were level 15. And I kept dying. Like, I... Yep. I it's so harsh with the levels. Like, I don't know that I've ever seen a game that's as strict that level-wise. Like, uh, granted, there are some games that I play that are pretty fast and loose that way, like, um, <laughs> Disgaea, uh, Disgaea 1, like, you, you can go, if, if you have the right character, you can go, like, 10, 15 levels out of your range. Um, this game does not do that. It's uh, Disgaea is mostly about equipment, right? A little uh, bit, um, yes and no. I mean, no. Equi equipment can, like, it can pump you up a lot in that game. Oh, yeah, I, for That's sure. just what I remember. For sure, like especially if you're going uh, late game or item world stuff, like that's that's the reason why the item world exists is to just buff equipment. So yeah, you can go to level nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine in that game, but like <laughs> if you have a nifty difty sword, that can carry you a little bit more than that. Um, and to the point that Makai Kingdom, uh, which is a spinoff of Disgaea, is just more about items. But but anyway, <laughs> um, this game is. A little bit like that, um, Borderlands is. Uh, the thing that I like is that like the guns all feel pretty neat, unique, varied. Um, like I said, I like SMGs. Uh, I was playing a little bit earlier tonight, and um, 
I, I like seeing the stat numbers go up. That's fun. Uh, the only problem is that, like, uh, giving up a good gun is kind of heartbreaking. Uh, because right now my setup is a um, revolver with incendiary rounds. Uh, that's quite effective. Um, a uh, SMG that is a triple round burst and you have to keep pulling the trigger for it. Which I'm not in love with that because the gun that I had before it was a fully auto SMG uh, that like um, had al also had fire rounds and it like the damage on that was worse than what this one than what the one I have now is but like the um, the fire on that one like the fire effect pinged a little bit more so like it, it just the damage on this gun is a little bit better than that but like. Having to give that up for a triple round burst is kind of a bummer. Uh, and you can definitely feel when your equipment starts to become effective. I'm kind of sitting at that with my shotgun right now. And that, like, I still use it. It's still pretty effective, especially up close and personal. But, like, once once I'm running up against, like, 18, uh, level 18 guys with my uh, piddly little shotgun, I can kind of feel that I need to get a new shotgun. Um... But it's fun. Uh, the thing that I think is a little bit different than Diablo uh, 3 specifically is that I so rarely see guns that are like three stat upgrades. Uh, like usually it's like damage down but rate of fire and accuracy up or uh, damage and rate of fire up accuracy down. I so rarely see guns that are all three up. And it's like, come on, game, like, give me, give me just a flat upgrade, please. You know, I, uh, I had some friends who were definitely on the leading edge of getting into that game and, uh, really liking it back there. By the way, like, it was early version of that game, you could get some really fun, extremely broken weapons. Awesome. Uh, but, but unfortunately they, they patched all those out over time. Oh, no, awesome. But, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, by the way, you, you cut me off of the past, uh, at the pass, in that I was actually going to say, like, so you're playing as Lilith, right? The Siren? Yes. Uh, but you, you, you already confirmed it. Like, I was, I was like, seven characters? I was like, for Tuesday, you mean one character, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. There's only one character. Uh, nobody else matters. Yeah, I, not hard at all to figure it out. Uh, it is worth noting, I remember in playing it, like, the first couple times I played it, uh, I was kind of forced by other people's choices since you can't duplicate classes and classes are associated with particular characters. Mm -hmm. uh, I played Roland the Soldier. I don't actually like his skill set very much, um, but as soon as I got to play Mordecai the Sniper, I actually think he's a lot of fun. Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, I I do yeah. know that like the skills between the different characters are actually quite varied. Um, I yes. have played a teeny tiny bit of Roland uh, just because like I I was like I want I want to kind of see what it's like. Roland's okay. Um, I I find uh, Lilith's um, like phasing and then sneaking up behind an enemy and bursting at them to be really good, really effective. Uh, Roland's turret is fine, um, but, like, the big bonuses of, like, uh, rate of fire increases after killing an enemy, that's pretty cool. But, like, I, I like that. I, I like that aspect of this game in that, like, 
Um, it it does it does a Diablo two style skill tree very well uh, in in creating four different characters, and and that's good. Like especially for a first person shooter, which uh, I. I quite tend to like sometimes. Not the Call of Duties, though. The Call of Duties are a little bit too boring for me. <laughs> yeah, I, a lot of people describe uh, the, like this game in particular as a first-person shooter uh, Diablo, and like that's kind of reductivist, but like also fairly accurate in a lot of ways. Yeah, I can see um, why. <laughs> Uh, it was also like a hit that kind of came out of nowhere. Like nobody expected it to be quite as big as it was. Mm. Uh, yeah, I remember when it came out. Like um, I was uh, my my parents didn't let me play it. My parents also did not let me play Fallout Three. But like that Fallout Three rage, I think all kind of like came out in quick succession. And in my high school, you were one of those. You were a fan of one of those games, and you did not associate with the other fans. <laughs> Man, you you needed to get in with the Borderlands kids. Like you needed to find an excuse to get out of your house and play these games. I, I should have. Uh, when I when I first got to college, I became a uh, Fallout Three kid, and um, <laughs> you can you can guess how many war crimes I committed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so did you did you use nuclear weapons oh absolutely uh question <laughs> if if the question is do you want to nuke this small town the answer is yes <laughs> oh. of, of course tuesday's uh top 10 war crimes uh in games uh tuesday if if the option is given to commit violence i will commit violence <laughs> especially on a huge scale so so yes for me what else has been lighting up my system lately has been the amazing spider-man oh yeah i've heard of uh, that game it's it's all it's kind of a small game isn't it this is the well a lot of games have ha had the title the amazing spider-man this in particular is the movie license title for the movie The Amazing Spider-Man. Okay, I've actually uh, played that game. Can you guess which version I played? Did it come out on Vita? Sure did, David. Oh, boy. <laughs> it actually wasn't the worst Vita point, but it was not the best way to play that game. No, no, I'm sure it wasn't. <laughs> Since, like... I mean, it's it's a open world superhero game, so like you're you're swinging around Manhattan, so uh, that that has to be a little bit subpar. It uh, um, it, was, it it was a little framey, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like the Amazing Spider-Man as part of my kick to play uh, more more Spider-Man games. Um, this game in particular, like, but uh, was. It was clear that the developers, Beanox, they liked Batman Arkham, uh, well, the, the Batman Arkham series, since, like, the combat kind of apes that mm. a little bit. Uh, like, there's a specific response to, like, deal with enemies that have a shield, or, like, uh, and you can actually do stealth more. You stealth a lot of Spider-Man now. Uh, well, like, uh... <laughs> Spider-Man almost in that way is, is kind of like Batman get on my level when it comes to stealth since he's mm -hmm. like you know hey I can just web people up to the ceiling from any from anywhere like you have to go from like gargoyle, gargoyles and stuff like I can just do it anywhere 
Uh, so like actually climbing on the ceiling and like and and stealth webbing people over the place that that is a that is the best way to deal with most of the thugs with guns in this game. Yeah, it sure um, is. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't actually expect you to have played this game. So, yeah, like, you know its basic structure. You also know that uh, <laughs> the story is actually set after the movie. Yeah, it's a, a really quote, weird decision. Yeah, it's a, quote, sequel uh, to the events of the movie. So, like, the whole thing with the lizard has always happened, already happened. And that actually plays a major role in the plot since, like, the lizard is a or, and the, the the scientist who uh who is the lizard a lizard is a uh is a huge part of the plot yes um though though not a not the central antagonist um and uh i did note that like michael morbius is actually mentioned uh though sadly there is no morbing in the game um uh, morbing uh, time is not happening uh morbing yeah, time was, is canceled yeah, when I saw that, like he he was mentioned as like uh, Doctor Con- Connor's like assistant or whatnot, I was just like, oh, are we going to get Morbius? The answer is no. Uh, he is it. He's not even in the game. He's just mentioned a couple of times. So is is that like a sad. thing from the comics, or is that just a little cheeky? Haha, we know our Marvel lore. That is, that is not a thing for the comics. Okay. That's just something that they decided to throw in there so they can have Michael Morbius be in there. But gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I noted that, like, uh, unlike Spider-Man 2, which actually, like, had a fairly complex physics system to, like, web swing around, uh, which I think is, like, part of the reason why people love it so much, in this game, web swinging is just automatic. Uh, you hold the button down, and Spidey just swings. It, it just works. Uh, yeah, I think it's an okay system, honestly. Like, it, it works better on Vita. Because, like, you only need the one button, and it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> this does not need to be overly complicated. But I can see why on, like, a console with more buttons, it's like, oh, this is a little disappointing. Ellie, it's, it's also like you can't, like, slingshot yourself around the city in a dynamic way. It's just kind of like, you know, yeah, you're, you're slinging around. Uh, there's also just the the dash two button you, mm-hmm. can, you can press, uh, which, like... Uh, uh, Yahtzee Kroshaw in particular like criticized it as just kind of feeling like you don't feel like you're Spider-Man so much as you're piloting Spider-Man mm. uh, and there there is a lot of, there are, are, are a decent amount of automatic actions in the game but I will give them credit it at least is is it at least works pretty well yeah uh, uh, one thing that really I, I had to check this that threw me off at first Sam Regal is Peter Parker in this game uh, and he is not a guy I would associate nowadays with playing the heroic protagonist of a game, but the critical role uh, goofball um, is indeed Peter Parker in this. So hmm. good for him. It's uh, it's it's always weird. Like I feel like Peter Parker is one of the hardest roles uh, across like cinema and video games to like play. Because he's been done by a lot of people, and he's been done right by a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I uh, there's a lot of takes on that. Like the Sam Regal take is well, for Sam Regal, part of the problem is that like I can't unhear the Sam Regalness of it. So uh, it's just that is a little odd to me. But um, he's kind of he kind of has a voice of more of a goofy sidekick, anyways. But mm. 
Uh, I feel like now that you're saying that, I kind of remember that voice. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, like, it is a very jokey take on uh, Peter Parker, so there was that at least. Uh, now, it's mentioned that, like, the the lizard who used, like, a serum to turn the lizard and wanted to turn all of New York into lizards... Uh, it, it says in the canon of the game that the serum has mutated into a virus. That's just not a thing. Yeah, like, that's, that's it's <laughs> kind of weird. <laughs> like, even by comic logic, I'm, I was just like, look, that's, that's no, that just isn't a thing. <laughs> like, it would make sense if, like, <clears throat> like, if we go by Resident Evil logic, which is a stretch of science at most... Like, let's assume that a rat bit Kurt Connors when he was in lizard form. Then, like, maybe that rat is now infected with, like, whatever was inside and, like, some weird germination of gross uh, rat stuff happened. Then it can become a virus through, again, the stretch of Resident Evil logic. But no, it's just (laughs) serum virus now. Yeah, so it's a virus now, so it can spread around New York. Um, and speaking of which, like, we're like as the game progresses, you get into like uh, people start to quarantine. People are wearing wearing like masks outside, medical masks. Uh, it's a disease in the game in Manhattan. Um, and I noted it's very much like the premise of another Activision published game, Prototype. Yeah, I was just saying, um, when, when I thought about that, and I'm like, wait a second, Prototype exists as well. Yes, yeah, it's a much less violent Prototype in that way. Man, prototype uh, is so violent. <laughs> it, it's a very violent game. Also, Prototype is a better game than this. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, when, uh, like, you, you still got more to say, and I, I'll, I'll totally let you do that, but when you, like, talked about Batman, uh, the Arkham games, I'm like, yeah, I remember Amazing Spider-Man being Arkham if it was meh. <laughs> that's a very apt description you took the words right out of my mouth like just <laughs> a general quality wise um like uh, it's a totally fine mid-tier game uh that like lacks the polish and originality as compared to those mm-hmm. batman arkham games uh it like you can so tell it is a game of that era of like activision game that was just like an activision mid-tier game yeah uh which I, i'm sure you're very familiar with like like your transformers games like that deadpool game mm-hmm. uh like like their spider-man games they uh they all kind of fit into that category of perfectly fine, but you can tell like they didn't have the a huge development bu- budget behind them. Right. Like, um, and, and that's the thing is that like, because they're perfectly fine and inoffensive, like I, I had played it and like, I had like kind of forgotten about it. Like in, in my memory, it's <laughs> like, it's fine. It's an enjoyable game, but like compare that to, you know, Arkham. Cool. Arkham's better, uh, even the, like, it's, uh, the, 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 uh, new Spider-Man games. Oh, man, Amazing Spider-Man, what? Yeah, exactly, like, it, <laughs> uh, I will also note, like, uh, counting f- photography, which is a, which is a side mission of different things you find in the environment and can take photos of, there are six different things that need to be collected for trophies in this game, uh, Including 700 comic book pages that are in the open world. Yeah, F that. Uh, yeah. 
It's uh, so I am. Uh, <laughs> I did do a number of things just because it was easy in the open world and it was fun enough. But like when it came to collecting everything, I was like, yeah, no, that is that is not happening. Yeah, developers uh, don't lock trophies behind stupid a million. God, yeah, I hate collectibles so much. <laughs> Yeah, if you're going to have a collectible, like, at least have the collectibles mean something. Uh, like, and don't have there be, like, 700, for God's sakes. Um, and now, I, I will just note as a, this is something that happens very late late in the game, but, like, there's actually Felicia Hardy. Yeah! Uh, but she's escaped from a metal ward and uses a gun and holds up banks? Uh, yeah, I think the Spider-Man it, game is a little unhinged. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I encountered. Her, I was just like, I was just like, this, this is Black Cat. Like, mm. okay, like, <laughs> sure, whatever. Okay, we've, uh, we've changed. After a certain point, you change the core conceits of a character enough that I'm just like, I have difficulty seeing this as the same character, even a reinterpretation. Because, yeah, mm. like. Like, the only thing to me that, like, felt Black Cat about that version... Because, yeah, she's crazy. She is... Ugh, that is a problem, Black Cat. But, like, there's... uh, I don't know if it's in, like, the full console version. Um, It was in... Weirdly enough, I also played um, a 3DS demo for this game. Because it's a long story. Oh, goodness. That version was surprisingly uh, not open world anyways um (laughs) um like the only thing that i felt that was black cat about that version of felicia hardy is when you were carrying her and she was like talking about oh yeah i'm i'm a criminal but hey you're kind of hot it's like okay but that's about it yeah yeah exactly exactly you get it like you after a certain point you change so much about the character that like it doesn't even feel like the character anymore like yeah uh, and and, and, like that's kind of the sucky thing about that because like they have some cool designs for different characters because they like really played with like what the amazing spider-man was going for at the time and then they just go a little bit too crazy sometimes yeah yeah there's there's some weird takes i it's a I can respect that, like they, it, they were like able to take the loose structure of like what they were given from the movie and do their kind of their own thing uh, with it. Basically, do their own fan fiction based on the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and there was also a, uh, an Amazing Spider-Man two game. Yes, which uh, I've which heard it, was even crazier and also bad. It, yeah, I, and I well, I mean, it's based upon the Amazing Spider-Man Two movie, which was uh, a very bad movie. Also, uh, even crazier and, and also bad. Yes, <laughs> and I'm willing to bet that it follows up on that movie. So, like, all that being the case, like, ah, I'm expecting some some wacky things to to be in there. Um, I I yeah, think they're... I saw one of the costumes, and I wish that I knew which version of Spider-Man it was. But it like has like a cape and this gigantic like flowy uh, poofy collar. Um, it, yeah, Beanox was just like, eh, it's this we've been paid, we're gonna go crazy. I guess so. <laughs> and that I believe was actually the well, maybe not. That was their last real big swing at Spider-Man before Activision lost the license. But, uh, but anyways, like yeah, but yeah, play the Amazing Spider-Man. We'll say it, totally okay game, mm-hmm. totally fine open world game. 
Um, it is, of course, like more polished in a way that you'd hope it would be over Spider-Man 2, since it's like uh, t- 10 years later and on much more advanced hardware. But like, still, yeah, it this it was not a not a triple A game. Yeah, uh, it's uh, out of curiosity. You don't have to disclose this if you don't feel comfortable. How much did you pay for this game? Uh, in the, I believe I paid. Uh, I believe it was thirty dollars. That's, that's about what I would pay for that. Maybe a little bit more. I think, like, the perfect peak points for, point price point for that game is, like, around 25 Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree, but I, I was actually happy that I picked it up before, like... Uh, actually, interest in Spider-Man games really peaked around uh, Spider-Man Nowhere, No Way Home. Yeah. Um, and the unfortunate thing about, like, a, a lot of the old Spider-Man games is that, like, they're based on old licenses that are never going to be revived. Mm-hmm. So like they're just never going to be available again yeah. uh, or available for backwards competitive or, or saleable again. So yeah, that's, that's uh, um, Activision has a lot of those actually with like, uh, you yeah. mentioned the Deadpool, um, the Transformers war for Cybertron, the first two games that like a lot of people really like those have been struck from, um, from uh, digital storefronts. Uh, the Devastation, the PS4 game, uh, PS4, PC, Xbox One game that Platinum developed, struck from digital yeah. storefronts. Like, that's that's kind of the thing, is that, like, that's that's the history that you're looking at, especially with Spider-Man games, like, one of Marvel's most popular superheroes. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's, it's just the fact that, like, there's... Um, I mean, in particular, because of the... Uh, like the difficulty it well and also like if you get with these games that are based upon the movie then like you probably also have to deal with the movie licensing as well like yeah. on top of that uh so mm-hmm. i don't know and add on to the fact that like it's probably just not worth it to them to like put, put in that effort so like uh so they will probably always always kind of like the physical copies will probably all actually always be uh, worth worth something kind of yeah. uh it's it, it's kind of a bummer because like um, uh, this is another completely different game but this is actually a really good game is uh, the X-Men Origins Wolverine based on a horrible horrible movie um, the Xbox 360 and PS3 versions really cool character action games and like you can tell that like when there's love put into those games or at least a modicum of care like they can be pretty decent games yeah yeah uh totally totally um it's uh the you know i've I've kind of been curious about that game for since i remember i heard like that it's a a good uh a good character action game oh but... yeah for sure if you can find it for like uh 30 bucks absolutely totally worth it Okay, I will. But only one of those versions. Don't don't go backwards. Don't go to like PS2, uh, Wii, uh, PSP. Don't go DS. Like only only those like at the time current gen systems. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it here like around price. Like it was like right around when uh, Spider-Man No Way Home came came up. Like the the price of a lot of Spider-Man games really peaked, and they have fortunately returned to more sane levels. But I mean, they're still going for something because, mm-hmm. again, like it's it's Spider-Man game. Uh, people will probably want to play it, and again, like they're they're never going to be saleable again yeah. uh, digitally. So, 
Switching from Activision to talking about the Activision Blizzard story, uh, the acquisition by uh, Microsoft, which is the story that never ends. You could uh, call it the acquisition. <laughs> but I won't. That's fair. Uh, I respect that. <laughs> Uh, uh, definitely the biggest news is that the European Union has uh, formally is- issued an antitrust warning. Uh, this was first reported by Politico. Um, they said at the time the move comes after the EU launched an in-depth investigation to the deal, finding Microsoft to be future incentivized to block the access to Activision's popular Call of Duty franchise. Such foreclosure strategies could reduce competition in markets for the distribution of console and PC video games, leading to higher prices, lower quality, less innovation for console game distributors, which may in turn be passed on to consumers. Lower so, quality. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I know it's... <laughs> They should, I mean, well, I will say ever since, like, all the controversies debuted last year, it is, uh, I would say that the quality of Activision games, which had maybe been on a downward slide before, have taken a almost authoritative downward slide since then. Oh, yeah, for Uh, sure. You do not uh, want to touch an Activision Blizzard product these days. Yeah. For multiple reasons, Uh, but quality is one of them. Yeah. uh, Yeah. For Microsoft, for a part, uh, he issued a fairly so- sober response saying, we are listening carefully to the European Union's concerns and are confident we can address them. Uh, also on the, bl- the block, leading off the trifecta of um, uh, different government entities that might object to it, the Competition Markets Authority in the UK uh, has uh, issued a provisional report say- uh, basically saying that Microsoft could make it commercially beneficial to have Call of Duty be exclusive in one form or another uh, on the Xbox, resulting in, again, higher prices, reduced range, lower quality, worse service, and or reduced innovation. Uh, it also noted that other titles like World of Warcraft could be t- uh, vital components to a cloud streaming service if, uh, if and when Microsoft chooses to uh, uh, ha- have a cloud service. Uh, CMA said, given we have provisionally found that Microsoft already had a strong position in the market through the, its ownership of Xbox, a global cloud computing service, and the leading PC operating uh, system, we are concerned that even a moderate increment to its strength may be expect, expected to substa- substantially reduce competition in this developing market to the detriment of current and future co- uh, cloud computing users. Uh, Microsoft and other organizations are invited to react to these fa- findings by March the 1st, uh, 2023. Uh, CMA is open to remedies uh, inc- and would prefer structural remedies. What are structural remedies? Uh, those would include uh, Activision Blizzard divesting itself of the Call of Duty brand. Uh, or, or maybe the Activision part of it not being part of the acquisition, or maybe the Blizzard part of it not being part of the business. And I would have to say that would drastically change what this deal would be mm-hmm. if, if uh, Call of Duty and or Activision and or Blizzard were divested from this deal. Yeah, um, you know that would be a <laughs> that would be a good idea because a it would make Phil Spencer upset, and I I like that reality. Um, but b like. 
I, I think the whole picture is all three of these things together in a, in a way, right? Because like the biggest thing obviously is Call of Duty. Call of Duty does numbers. Call of Duty has done numbers, always will do numbers, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, if you take that out, then yes, there's still numbers to be made from Activision Blizzard, but not the numbers that Microsoft wants. If you pull Activision out, then they're still getting Call of Duty, but it's not but, like, then Activision itself is kind of like, well, ish, now we're not as great as we could be. And if you take Blizzard out, then I mean, like, eh, I mean, no major loss, but, like, still, like, the, the thing that uh, Blizzard can offer up is World of Warcraft, haha, but also Diablo, which is probably what they want more of. I mean, you know, that's all part of it. Like, uh, that's definitely no small part of the, uh, the the whole deal that they want. Though, ironically, like, none of this mentioned King as if to say that, like, uh, yes, nobody's really objecting to King. And, like, and I would consider it highly ironic if, uh, with Phil Spencer and Bobby Kotick talking about, like, how King is the biggest part of this acquisition and, and uh, the CMA just re- re- rules like, yeah, you can have that part of it. Yeah. And so you're like, but that's the part you said you wanted most, right? So you should be happy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that would be kind of a ironic taking Microsoft at their word in that regard, that that is somehow the thing that they wanted most out of this deal. But, um, so yeah, like th- that makes with the FTC, those are the, the three large bodies that could potentially really scuttle this deal have, uh, have ruled against it. So, um, so Microsoft is going to have to find some sort of remedy one way or the other to, to make this deal happen. Uh, and I'm willing to bet that they were just hoping that it would be simple and basically concluded by this point, but that is obviously not going to be the case. Um, yeah, thank goodness. Like this is the old, like this is a good development in this case because good lord has it been a nightmare. It's still not great. Uh, it's still not great. It is uh and it is continuing to go for forever and ever uh event practically. But to switch over to that from another uh Activision uh Blizzard set of news, they actually They've had various government entities uh, investigating them, and they have agreed. <laughs> and they have agreed to a settlement of thirty-five million dollars with the SEC. Uh, Wait, is this which suit is this in response to? <laughs> this I don't blame you for being confused about that. Uh, even if, especially since we've been talking about it a lot, since it is, you're right, it's not been the only one. But, no. <laughs> uh, this is about assessing reports for workplace conduct. Uh, okay, so one of the sexual harassment suits? No, no, no actually. Okay. Uh, they, they, this, no, this is a... Uh, uh, this this deals with much more mundane things dealing with the Exchange Act. Okay. Uh, and 
the SEC said that Activision Blizzard disclosed to investors that there are risk factors related to the work to its workforce and that its ability to attack, retain, and motivate staff might materially uh, impact its business. But the publisher did not have the disclosure controls and procedures in place to collect or analyze employee complaints of workplace misconduct, which meant that management was unable to account for any complaints to those uh, risk factors. This is a this is violating some part of the Exchange Rule Act. Uh, uh, the SEC also found between 2016 and 2021, Activision Blizzard included a clause in most, but not all, of separation agreements contracts for that when an employee leaves the company, stipulated that former staff members had to inform the publisher if they were contacted by government agencies or labor boards. Mm. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, they, and that is a violation of a, a different part of the Exchange Act. Uh, I'm just going to read what this Activision Blizzard spokesperson had to just so we can just let it wash over you. Oh, this is a treat. Uh, I don't have my popcorn, but let's go. We are pleased to have amicably resolved this matter. Uh, as the order recognizes, we have enhanced our disclosure processes with regard to workplace reporting and updated our separation contract language. We did so as part of our continuing commitment to operational excellence and transparency. Activision Blizzard is confident in its workplace disclosures. Um, wow, that was so sickeningly sweet. I think I need to check to find out if I have diabetes. <laughs> it's also fake. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like we're yeah we're all we're all good now. We're all great. Like this is we're happy we committed crimes, got caught, and have to pay money for it. Yeah, we're so happy about we're that. So we're jazzed. <laughs> we're you know we're we're so happy that this that all this has happened. Uh, uh, that's that's <sighs> exhausting. I need a nap after that statement. <laughs> Well, you're gonna have to stay up a little bit more because uh, the the Activision Blizzard block isn't isn't quite done yet. Oh no! Uh, what other crimes have they yeah. committed this time? Well, uh, th this is actually uh, this is actually Microsoft in this case. Um, uh, a an interesting little tidbit that came out of it. Uh, Axios reported that Microsoft had asked to see documents about seven Sony executives as part of its case in the context of a subpoena it filed in mid-January. Um, how? Why? This That doesn't make sense. I, it's, um, what? <laughs> yeah, the, uh, and uh, Sony, uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment, that's, that's PlayStation, re rejected the requests that were made by Microsoft. Rightfully and, so. To the point of, like, and Sony actually uh, has actually replied. They've been very reluctant to publicly reply on any of this stuff. But these, uh, this, uh, they said that given the high volume of documents related to seven individuals, collecting, processing, and reviewing and producing them is burdensome. Microsoft's demand for performance reviews for SIE's leadership is obvious harassment. Uh, saying even in employment cases, courts require specific showing of relevance before required production of personnel files. Yeah, exactly. So, like I, I don't know like courtroom laws and stuff, but like if I were a judge, I would say uh, like relevance. 
Yeah. Uh, I I guess to make uh, to tit for tat, um, uh, like the 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 boss of PlayStation, uh, Mr. Ryan. I don't know. Like it, it doesn't seem relevant to me. But like there's there there's a lot of. Uh, I mean, like as evidenced by like what I said about uh, Bobby Kotick, there's a lot of. Uh, there's a there's a lot of very annoyed executives at Activision and Microsoft right now being extremely passive aggressive. So, uh, and uh, and they have lawyers that are, that are able to uh, to enforce that passive aggressiveness on other companies. But um, it's like two small children hitting each other, and it's like I don't like either of you, but this is kind of funny to watch. <laughs> that's that's not true. I like PlayStation like games, but also executives. I have a problem with because they're annoying and do things like this. Yeah, the, uh, but at this, <laughs> uh, this actually isn't the this this is that isn't the end of it. There is uh, there there. <laughs> There's just one more thing you can uh, you can you can rest after this. But wait, there's more. Watch. But wait, there's more. Uh, uh, the uh, it has been confirmed that Activision Blizzard has uh, uni- universally dis- uh, unilaterally ra- rather decided that there is going to be a return to office plan for employees. Uh, some bet- sometime between April and June, um, according to uh, Twitter user at least my hair is okay, who says they work for Blizzard. Uh, majority of APK employees have no interest in returning to the office, either full or part time. This isn't to say that nobody sees the value as an office environment, but we've overall decided the risks do not overweigh those those benefits. Uh, yeah. That, oh, that is shooting yourself in the foot. Like, here's the thing, is that, like, when all of this news first broke, we were still, like, kind of hanging out in quarantine and stuff. Uh, that was 2021? Goodness. Yeah. Don't like thinking about that, but still. Like, that that could at least be respite for people who are, like, I don't know, getting sexually harassed uh, and still want to keep their jobs. And uh, also, like, maybe, you know... The fact that working in a frat boy environment kind of sucks. If you're requiring people to go back to that, you're kind of asking for people to quit. Yeah, uh, the the that Twitter that Twitter poster uh, continued saying uh, leadership isn't prepared for what is likely to happen an exodus of talent as we find work elsewhere. Other jobs in the tech sector pay better and offer work from home, and it is a, a, it is clear our thoughts on the matter are irrelevant. What incentive do employees have to remain at Activision Blizzard? Which I have to say that's a really good question. Uh, uh, an, another. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Reddit user a uh, who claims to work for Q and A at Activision um, p- posted, uh, uh, "Commuting is just not possible for some as they look it took this remote job under the ideals of working from home. They can no longer commute, and night shift does not find tra- transportation at three at three thirty in the morning." Yeah. Uh, so. So yeah, like just to, uh, and I, I'm going to read like again, like Activision Blizzard has officially confirmed this, uh, and they issued a statement, which I am going to read thusly. Uh, All right, here we go. 
Okay, taking a sharp breath. Activision Blizzard has been returning teams to the office over the past year. And on February 13th, we updated our future of work plans. In close partnership with each leadership team, we customize a plan based upon what's best for our business and our teams. We look forward to the increased real-time, in-person collaboration and opportunities this change will foster. I guarantee you the people who are (laughs) going to have to return to uh, office are not looking forward to the changes this can foster. Yeah, I am willing to bet that this is going to be another exodus. Not quite like Twitter-level exodus, uh, but I'm willing to bet dozens of people will say, uh, pound sand, I'm going to find work somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, Because work from home, like like it or not, uh, big CEO is, but like that's become an expectation for a lot of people. A lot of people are even willing to take less pay to to work from home, uh, and it just sounds like in this case that this is a top down, Bobby Kotick decision. Yeah. Uh, and and yes, I am pinning the decision on this to Bobby Kotick because like. He's the CEO of the company. Like he would have to sign off on this thing that like is impacting basically all of his employees. Mm. So, and also, it sounds like a crappy policy. And uh, what do we know about Bobby Kotick? He loves himself some crappy policies. Well, he he loves he loves things that like you know he obviously as a CEO like hates the idea that people's lives should not be completely revolving around work. Yes. Uh, so. <sighs> So, so yeah, like more stuff from Activision Blizzard. Isn't it grand Tuesday? Isn't it grand and wonderful? Oh man, um, it's it's <laughs> a grand pile of garbage. Activision and Blizzard, what are you doing? Like, why? <laughs> like, I know that you're terrible, but oh, it's it's folding in on itself. Uh, not quite imploding the degree that like web 3 is imploding right now uh, mm. and what even like people that like nfts and stuff are calling uh <laughs> the nft winter uh, or the crypto winter good but uh, yeah i'm i'm, per- I'm personally not upset at all but anyways no like, sympathy for that anyway yeah, yeah anyways let's let's not completely derail that okay switching back over to games tuesday yes. like uh nintendo released their, their their quarterly uh their quarterlies uh give us some of the the numbers related to that why certainly uh numbers related come from sales 1.3 trillion uh also, 1.3 trillion yen uh, translates to 9.8 billion, down 1.9% year on year. Net profit is at 2.6 billion, which is down 5.8% year on year. Hardware, uh, 14.91 million switches sold, down 21.3% year on year. Software, uh, 172.11 million units sold, down 4% year on year. Uh, their forecast for the full year is sales to um, one point. I'm sorry, twelve point one billion, which is down three percent compared to the previous forecast, and net profit at two point eight billion, down seven point five percent compared to previous forecast. Uh, sales on Nintendo's own platform were overall two percent down year on year uh, to nine point four billion. 
uh, includes hardware, software, accessories. Meanwhile, uh, mobile sector saw $295 million, which is a slight 2.3% dip. Uh, so overall, um, on the hardware side, uh, Switch sold 5.22 million units during the period versus 11.79 million during the same period of the previous year, uh, which represents a 55.7% drop year on year. Uh, OLED model sold 7.969 million units versus 3.99 million a year before, which is a 92.5% increase year on year. Uh, Switch Lite sold 2 million units during the nine-month period ending in December 31st, 2022, which is a 37% drop compared to 3.17 million the previous year. Uh, seems a little rough. I. That being said, I don't necessarily think this is a bad thing for Nintendo. Um, like, we're, we're still, like, I feel like 2022, in general, was kind of a rough year for gaming, uh, because both 2020 and 2021 were exceptional years, uh, because, you know, people were staying at home, playing games a whole lot. Now that, like, other forms of entertainment are opening back up, you see that a lot in movie theaters now, that, like, people are treating movie theaters, though, the same way they were pre-COVID. It kind of makes sense to see these kinds of dips um, worth noting, Pokemon sold uh, a combined 20.61 million units, so that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, it uh, Post-pandemic is part of it, and part of it is, I think, like, I mean, Nintendo said part of this was just, like, supply and semiconductor issues. I don't entirely buy that. Mm. Uh, I think... I think, honestly, like, it is a, a little bit of post-pandemic hangover, but I also think, like, part of it is just, like, the Switch is a very mature platform at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, like, this is its this is its sixth year. So, like, it is just, it is just kind of on a natural arc at this point. Yeah. Uh, like, that, that most systems do. Like, we should peaking around the fifth and uh, uh, fourth or fifth year, and then, like, there is a... Uh, there's just a little bit of a gradual de decline. Though it's worth noting, like, even with this gradual decline this year, this year was far more successful than all the years of the Wii U combined. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, so. <laughs> and also take into account that, like, now people are actually able to get PS5s and Xbox Series Xs and Ss, so yeah. not, not entirely kind of surprising. Yeah, and also, like... Uh, and it's, it's impossible to say, like, how much this is nipping around the edges, but, like, there's also the fact that, like... Uh, Steam Decks and other Steam Deck-like things, uh, portable PC game systems are more available, and like, uh, and I'm sure it's not a huge percentage, but I'm sure it's some percentage of people who would get who will get that over a Switch. Yeah, for so, sure. Uh, like, if if you're like, that's kind of the thing is that like Nintendo knows how to play to their audience, kind of to a fault. Like, if you're <laughs> not excited about Breath of the Wild, then a Steam Deck's the way to go. Like, because Nintendo, I can tell you. Um, we're going to talk about it a little bit. Uh, there's going to become a certain point in 2023 where they're going to lean heavily into Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, totally, totally. But I will say, like, I, I will just put it out right now, like, my expectations are, like, next year fall for the, excuse me, the, the successor console. We'll see whether that's true or not. And no claim of insider sources or anything like that. That's just a, a gut feeling over, like, okay, the Switch at that point would be seven and a half years old. Uh, and 
I feel like, particularly if the system has back, full backwards compatibility, like that would be the right time to to have it. Yeah. Uh, to like to launch it, but you know, again, we'll see. Like maybe maybe it's a little further out. I don't know, but but I am certain that it is being worked on right now, one hundred percent certain. Mm. Um, but yeah, like yeah, to your point, like as far as software sales, like uh, like the new titles this year. Uh, you already gave Pokemon, like Splatoon sold nearly 10 million, uh, Nintendo Switch Sport uh, about 8 million, Mario, uh, Mario Strikers about 2 million, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 about 1.5 million, uh, uh, but, uh, and I mean like previously released titles, uh, Mario Kart will seemingly be selling well f- until the end of time, like over yeah. 6 million. Kirby sold an additional 3.4 million, so good for it. Uh, and Animal Crossing about 3 million, Mario Party 2.5, and Pokemon Arceus about 2.4 million. Worth noting that, like, just because of the, uh, it Arceus actually technically launched last uh, fiscal year. Yes. Uh, because that was, because that was January of last real real year of, of actual 2022 2020 but yeah fiscally it was in the in the previous year so the majority of its sales but like obviously it uh continued to sell over time and that's kind of the thing about like these bigger uh nintendo titles that, that they will sell over time speaking of which like uh there was also a a small amount of news uh re- regarding uh bayonetta 3 that came out yeah, the thus far worst title in the franchise. I'm still a little bitter about that. Um, <laughs> Bayonetta 3 sells 1 million copies. Uh, Platinum Games' latest action title reaches the sales milestone nearly four months after its release. Um, that's exciting. Uh, great. Like, uh, Bayonetta 3 has sold 1 million copies since October 28, 2022. Um, this is kind of... Like, I don't know the sales numbers for older Bayonetta games, but I have to assume they haven't gotten this big this quick. Uh, I would actually say it's... if Well, it is better than Bayonetta 2 originally, mm-hmm. but, like, Bayonetta 2 was also a Wii U game. So, right, so like, uh, that's, that's running against its favor. Yeah. Uh, it's actually... I think it's actually comparable maybe a little less than the original bayonetta and that's kind of the thing like we only have three games to go on and they all and all three of them launch so far apart and on different systems it's difficult to compare them really yeah Uh, it it is really hard because like even even like the distance between bayonetta one to bayonetta three the market is completely different uh not to mention the fact that like the audience they are presented to well it's generally the same has kind of moved in different directions. Uh, like if you're looking for, if you're looking for that hardcore action game, you're not going to find that on Switch. You're going to find Bayonetta three. Um, you're going to instead drift to DMC five. But still, for Bayonetta three, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. It uh, it is at least not a flop. Yeah. Uh, but but at the same time, like as I read, like all those other games that launched in the uh in in the previous year oh yeah uh, i couldn't help like i was just like hmm, bayonetta is behind all of them mm-hmm. uh and and that really just shows how like i mean bayonetta it, it's not like a teeny game but like it's also it's also never been big never yeah. been really big 
uh, and and that's why I say like I don't know like is like is it going to be up to like is it is Nintendo going to want to like sign up for Bayonetta four? I don't know. Like, mm. is, is it still worth it to them? Because like the I, I really feel like when they signed up for Bayonetta two, that was part of just a desperate play to try and like get some core gamers on their side. Yeah. Like, uh, like, like, oh God, like, please buy a Wii U. Mm. Um, what, what I can realistically and, kind of see happening is um, Bayonetta and Samus hanging out in the... These games are successful. Like, we got Metroid Dread, which did pretty well. Um, I think it did pretty well. Um, Metroid Prime Remastered came out, and I'm hearing good things about that, and sales-wise, quality-wise... I'm thinking that Bayonetta, if Nintendo does want to continue down the road with it, is probably going to kind of sit in that same club where every now and then Nintendo remembers that it exists and is like, hey, here's your piecemeal of this game. Comes out well received for the most part. Again, better Bayonetta 3. Um, That's a different story. Um, It's well received, does decent enough, then kind of goes back into hibernation. I, I can kind of see that for Bayonetta, which is not the worst fate it's just probably not the fate that most people wanted for it uh metroid dread it's worth noting has sold about three million copies oh wow so, so that's not terrible i mean it's that, lower that's, than that's other the, those than other titles that 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 is that is actually the best sale of sales in at least the series history yeah uh so for so Nintendo that's probably <laughs> well yeah there but i mean like that's uh uh, I mean, it's not the the top tier hit, but like it's still like it, it was definitely worth it to them to to put the time into. Yeah. Uh, like, and and that's the thing about like is that Bayonetta three had a much uh, more challenging development time over a much longer period of time. Yeah. Uh, and and it's like yeah, like it's one of those things that like if it's gonna take that again for Platinum to output it, it's like. Is Nintendo going to be like, yeah, sign me up for that? Like, since I really hate to say this, since like really Bayonetta three is one of the very few th- things that I'm uh, that I I'm really jousting for on the Switch to play, mm-hmm. but like they don't need it. They don't need it at yeah. all. Like it's <laughs> the amount of business they would lose if they didn't have Bayonetta is. Uh, like overall, like people would say, like I wouldn't buy a Switch out that is really, really very small. Mm. Uh, so I don't know. Like we'll we'll see. I certainly hope there is a future for Banda, but I'm not I'm not taking it for granted. I I feel fortunate that we've at least gotten three, and I guess this weird spinoff Cereza game, yeah. uh, which uh, uh, frankly doesn't read like. It could be about anything. Like, uh, well, well, we'll get to that in a bit. We'll, we'll, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Dracula wit, but it it doesn't read read much like a band of the game. Um, but uh, yeah, they're, uh, yeah, the the I, there was also uh, additional news. Like, uh, uh, some investors were a little disappointed in like the these financial reports from uh, from Nintendo. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they also have a report of a 7.5% stock price drop uh, with the latest financial results. Uh, Company's Tokyo Exchange price dropped from 5,604 yen down to 5,201 yen. Um, I don't know the exact exchange rate on that, um, but that is quite a drop. Um, 
And result for the first nine months of uh, the fiscal year 2023, uh, Nintendo said its net sales were down 1.9% at uh, the 9.9 billion that we reported on before, and net profit was down 5.8%. Um, so it's not looking like, again, I don't think it's going to hurt the company in the long term, but there's definitely, there's definitely a little bit of sting that they're going to feel. Yeah, it like I said, it's just kind of the transition and like as like they move past the peak years of the Switch, which like uh, fortunately for them, it's not like uh, like I feel like the drop off of systems like the Wii, which was a hit at a time, but like in the final years, it really started to drop off very heavily. It's not going to be that bad for yeah. the Switch, but uh, I think it like as people have known in the, in the past, like Nintendo has. Uh, like has had a very mixed record when it comes to like next generation handoffs. Um, but, uh, I certainly hope for like everybody owns a switch that like this one is nice and clean and whatever the switch Two is, if it's even named that is backwards compatible since, uh, like I, I feel like the expectation is, is set now. Mm. Uh, and if it, if it's not backwards compatible, I think a lot of people would be very upset. Yeah. Uh, for me, it wouldn't be a deal breaker, but it's definitely going to hurt. Like that's yep. that's kind of the nice thing about like Nintendo's handhelds up to the Switch for a very good reason because it was succeeding the Wii U, um, but every handheld that they've made up until now has been backwards compatible with the exception of like yep. model updates like the 3DS, uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but anyways, that is speculation, and we will see. But. Um, but uh, sw switching over to general sales for January, uh, as reported on by the MPD, um, uh, U.S. sales were 4.3 billion in January. Uh, th that is down 5% year on year. Um, uh, most of the revenue was uh, 89% was, uh, was was software, perhaps perhaps unsurprisingly. Uh, the, uh, the the PlayStation 5 making good on Sony's promise that it would be more available was both the top selling platform for units and dollars. Uh, and uh, this the Switch was in second, followed by the two incarnations of the Xbox Series. Uh, And as far as title uh, title sales, um, the top selling game was perhaps unsurprisingly Call of Duty Modern Modern Warfare. What? Uh, no. Modern Warfare Two. Yeah, exactly. Though though number two, and uh, this is very encouraging for this game since it came out very late in the month, was actually Dead Space. Nice. Uh, we love to see yeah. it. Yeah, it's uh, Dead Space is. Uh, been probably better received than I think most people were even hoping for. So yeah, uh, I wouldn't have gotten it if it wasn't so well received. Like if it had just yeah. been like score in nine or eights, I would have been like, yeah, I'll pick it up eventually. But people were like, Dead Space remakes real good, and I can come here and say I've finished Dead Space remake. Dead Space remakes real good. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the EA continuing to uh, try and. Win, win over gamers and uh, you know what I'm I'm amenable for their efforts and we'll just say that 
Uh, other EA games in the top five, Madden uh, 23 and FIFA 23 uh, at three and four. Followed by Fire Emblem Engage at number five. I love Fire Emblem Engage. It's such a good game. (laughs) Then we have uh, what I guess is going to be probably going to be a feature. uh, Has been a feature, will continue to be a feature. Elden Ring at six. Uh, And after that, uh, uh, Force Spoken at at seven. Um, It's probably probably lower than Square Enix would, would, would like it to come in, in at Square Enix or Sony, but especially Square Enix. Um, then we have God of War Ragnarok, uh, One Piece Odyssey, a new title coming in at ninth, and then at 10th, Pokemon Scarlet Violet. Uh, also worth noting, uh, as far as titles that have uh, that have rocketed back onto the list, um, the Last of Us Part One went up to eleventh out of thirty at thirty-six. Uh, this is completely due to the popularity of the HBO show. Oh, absolutely, uh, without are, a doubt. Yeah, yeah people are uh, people are interested in The Last of Us again, so that is pumped up the popularity. And Monster Hunter Rise, now that it has released on uh, Xbox and PlayStation, it jumped from sixty-eighth to thirteenth uh, as a reflection of the fact that it is available on more platforms now. And I believe uh, Sunbreak DLC comes with the new versions, I want to say, but I'm not 100% on that. Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak is actually not available on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series yet. <laughs> uh, That's wild. I yeah, it's I they're... mean, that makes sense, because it's like, I bet Nintendo's still holding the exclusivity deal on that. Quite possibly. Uh, and also, like, hey, they can always sell that later uh, as content. So, mm. yeah. Uh, but. So, so yeah, some some interesting results, some slightly down results. But I, I would actually say the, the lulls of January are starting to recede very, very quickly. And I feel like this uh, this early year... Is turning out to have a lot of energy with new releases mm-hmm. in 2023. So I'm I'm expecting a bunch of new games to be on the list in the February list. But. Oh yeah, I I think 2023 is actually going to be a pretty good year for gaming. Like if if January alone is a good indication, um, like you had Fire Emblem, uh, which is not everybody's cup of tea for sure, um, but you've also got Dead Space, which hits a lot bigger of an audience. You got Resident Evil 4 coming out in March in in just a few weeks. Well, late March, so a little over a month uh, from recording. Um, that's going to be big. Um, you get Tears of the Kingdom. That's going to hit a lot of people. Um, there are some games that have already come out that are also doing big numbers. But yeah, I, I think this, this is set to be a pretty good year for gaming. From yeah, what we've yeah, seen, definitely. at least. And, uh, and that's not even to mention like uh, the the biggest titles, which uh, for the for the big three, which are going to be Starfield, uh, Spider-Man Two, and uh, and of course Tears of the Kingdom. Exactly. Uh, and speaking of Nintendo, uh, Nintendo had a direct, uh, and and we are going to going to talk about it right here. Uh, Tuesday, 
give us some of the the details of the February 2023 direct. Yes, uh, so this was a uh, f their first full scale direct since um, the September one. Uh, it wasn't as exciting as some of their other ones have been, but there are still some things to report on. Uh, they opened up with Pikmin 4, uh, giving a release date of July 21st. That's kind of surprising considering that at um, the last Direct, it was actually just kind of announced that they were working on it. Um, so I was kind of not expecting to see it until next year. But hey, here it is. Uh, there's a dog hanging out. Pikmin's getting <laughs> weird, but whatever. Um, the other, uh, there were, in my eyes, four huge announcements and other ones that are pretty exciting and important as well. So that was the first one. Second one, uh, was, um, Metroid Prime Remastered launched that day. Um, remastered version of that game with, uh, some new control schemes, fancy new graphics, uh, launched digitally, coming out physically a little bit later this month. Um... The Nintendo Switch uh, Online Plus uh, expansion and Nintendo Switch Online also got Game Boy and Game Boy Color games, as well as Game Boy Advance for the expansion. Game Boy games include uh, Zelda Link's Awakening, Super Mario Land 2, Metroid 2, Tetris. Uh, more games that are coming are going to be uh, Zelda Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons. Uh, Game Boy Advance titles include WarioWare, Zelda Minish Cap, Mario Kart Super Circuit, and Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga. Some of the upcoming titles include Metroid Fusion and the original Fire Emblem. And of course, there was a brand new trailer for Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, giving us uh, the most um, gameplay that we have seen up to this point yet. Still kind of shrouded in mystery as far as that game goes, um, but still very exciting. Uh, we did get a interesting uh, detail that they did not... They were afraid to mention at the Direct, dare I say, that uh, Tears of the Kingdom is actually going to be sitting at $70, uh, which is the first uh, first-party game to do so. It is also going to be the biggest first-party game uh, that they are releasing. I believe it's around like 18 gigs uh, which for Nintendo is pretty significantly sized. Uh, they are also doing a Tears of the Kingdom Amiibo. Kind of makes sense. Uh, the Back when Breath of the Wild was released, they made a bunch of muns off of their Amiibos at the time. Yeah, uh, when they announced the Amiibo, I, I had to be reminded, like, oh yeah, Amiibos are a thing. Uh, since like the only re like it's only big Nintendo first party things that get Amiibo releases anymore. Yeah. Uh, and it uh, and it, usually they're functionally like uh, DLC, except it's a, a little statuette that you have to keep around. Yeah, which um, like uh, at least at least they're statuettes of things that I like. So yeah, I'm a sucker for them. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I will say personally, like for I, I wish the actual construction of the models were a little better but i guess you you can only inspect so much for their price yeah um but uh yeah they're i i literally had almost forgotten that amiibos were still a thing mm -hmm. because it's like liter literally they they only come up like once every year and a half when nintendo decides to deem one of their big releases worthy of it but of course yeah to your point of course they are going to put this out because they're gonna make a lot of money on on that amiibo right there oh for sure anyways um, can, can continue, yeah, continue yeah. Uh, the other two things that I just want to briefly very briefly touch on uh, Advance Wars Reboot Camp's finally getting a release date 
uh, April 21st, uh, April 20th, the world's going to end. Um, so thank you, Nintendo, for <laughs> confirming that. Um, <laughs> game is finally getting released. I'm very excited for that. Um, and lastly, a thing that... <laughs> Not so much guilty pleasure, because I don't believe in guilty pleasures. I just, you know, enjoy myself. Fashion Dreamer looks really fun. <laughs> this is um, yeah. the not-quite-newest game in the Style Savvy series. It's made by same developer, but it's a neat little game where you design outfits and uh, hang out with other people and make outfits. It's cute. It's fun. Don't freaking yell at me for it. <laughs> and you try and be the top influencer. Yeah, like... That was definitely the part of the direct where I was looking at the time saying, like, okay, so they said about 40 minutes, how much time is left? Like, <laughs> I, I was like, I'm looking directly at the amount of time we have left. Um, like, oh boy. I, I will just say, incidentally, for me, this, this direct really dragged in parts. Uh, they're... Uh, and really proved to be like once like, now that Bayonetta 3 is out, I'm just like, what do they got for me? And mm -hmm. I guess the answer is... Not that much. Uh, like there were, there was a lot of time given over to like DLC announcements, mm. uh, which like that—that's real. Look at the clock, sort of things for me. Yeah, that hit um, me with uh, the Splatoon three DLC. Like I liked Splatoon two. I didn't get the DLC for it, but like, oh man, if you're trying to sell me on single player Splatoon stuff, you're you're gonna have to do a lot better than that. Yeah. Yeah, we there's a lot of uh, quirky uh, <laughs> Japanese titles that were announced. Like we have Professor Layton in the New World of Steam, Deck of Police, The Girl Who Steals Time, um, Ghost Trick Phantom Detective is getting remade. That actually looks a little neat, uh, but uh, <laughs> like just a lot of a lot of stuff that uh, that was announced. I was I was like, huh, I'm. I'm sure some people who are into this are really into this, but for mm -hmm. me, I'm like, okay, sure, uh, whatever. Like, and I will just say, as far as the start, like, directs have been formulaic, but this felt like the most formulaic I think I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, like this, this direct, I, I think it was pretty decent, not the best, but I definitely think this is kind of suffering from. Nintendo really doesn't want to distract from Tears of the Kingdom early year. The only reason that Reboot Camp is coming out as soon as it is is because A, it's been delayed, and B, it's not going to compete with Tears of the Kingdom in any way, shape, or form. Well, I think they also want to uh, get it outside of the February period since, like, it got pushed back because uh, because Russia launched a, uh, a war in Ukraine. Right. And and it is believed in in February that they're like as of the time of this recording that they're going to launch a major offensive uh, around the first year anniversary of the start of the war. And so like yeah, pr if you're trying to avoid mention of that, probably best to not release it in February. Yeah. Uh, and I did note that the trailer that sure looked like whatever goofy opening video they had of it. I was just like, oh, we're trying to avoid the like we're trying to. Sp spray paint over the whole like this is actually a game about war thing because yeah. it just like you you would almost not even know it from like the cutesy animations they had with Andy and company and that in that like uh, cute uh, animation that they had mm. uh, just like you know oh Andy and his two friends and if it wasn't the fact that it ended in them like you know in a, in a tank and there was an explosion from behind you might not even fully realize what the game is about in fact if, if you didn't know what 
Advance Wars was about, then, like, that trailer didn't tell you anything. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, it was just like, hey, guys, <laughs> the game is done. We haven't found the right time to release it just yet. Uh, so here it is. Um, just... World War Three, please just stop so I can play like Advance Wars for like an hour, an hour or two. <laughs> and they're gonna do that, and they're gonna put it out completely without fanfare, yeah, because they don't want it, want any attention to it, or yeah. at least not as not as much as they can get get away with. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm not the biggest Advance Wars fan here, but this is definitely I will be very surprised if there's another game in the series after this whole shebang. Yeah, this this made it very difficult and kind of highlights the reason why it's difficult mm-hmm. to do more games about a game that is that is about modern war yeah. uh, in a way. Like e- even if it has a very cartoonish mm-hmm. sheen to it, like uh, it's uh, it is very antithetical to like Nintendo's modern brand. So yeah. uh, and and it's not a big mover. So. And despite the fact that I know that, like, for some people, they really love those first two Advance War games. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's kind of like the whole Bayonetta thing. Like, uh, if if Bayonetta 3 was not on the Switch, would you have still made all your same purchases around the Switch Tuesday? Um, yeah. Don't, I was about to say, don't lie. <laughs> I, I had to think for a second. I was like... Because, like, it's not that I only play my Switch for action games. I usually only play it for roguelikes, let's be honest here. But, like, (laughs) but I I do think that, like, if uh, Nintendo had said, hey, or, no, like, if Steam had said, hey, Bayonetta 3 is coming out on Steam, I would have been like, I kind of want to play that. Um, Yeah, but, like, yeah, I... I, I do know that a lot of people love Advance Wars 1 and 2. Um, I don't think it's going to sell the console uh, for people. Like, It's coming out late in the Switch's life, uh, life cycle. I think the best thing that we can hope for, and it's a long shot because of how far away they are in, in, in thematics, is Advance Wars uh, crossed Fire Emblem. That's, that is kind of the only saving grace I see for the series after this. Yeah, I the way I see it for intelligence systems, I feel like they're too far removed from Advance Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're too big into uh, like games where you can pet your uh, enemy waifu on the face. Uh, hey, it's there's... been a few games since you could do that. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, I... you pet a weird dog. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I. Uh... I know this was uh, developed by WayForward, I believe. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know, but yeah, to, to your point, I agree with you that I think it's likely that this is probably it for Advance Wars. It's just not worth the the hassle for them. Though, uh, mm. for my part, like I think, uh, I do think it's very cool. The game Game Boy Game Boy Advance games are are coming to the switch. Like if you think about like things that they could add to their online offerings that were like relatively low effort, that's probably the easiest thing they could do. Yeah. Um, And like, even with that, like it's, it's not going to be, I don't think it'll be as popular as when the Wii U did it because you don't own these games. You're streaming them. And the um, argument of, do you even own the games on 
Wii U is is one to be made, but <laughs> um, but still, like it's it's a nice little thing to like incentivize um, actually getting the expansion pass because if you weren't sold on you know the uh, N sixty four Sega Genesis stuff, um, you're not going to be sold then. Uh, Game Boy Advance might actually sell people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like having cool things like the uh, extremely charming and uh, uh, almost cultish in its uh, in its fandom Zelda of the Minish Cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, like some people really really like that game, uh, and I know like uh, the two Zelda Oracle games; those are also coming there. That's very cool. That like. I think of those all as the Capcom Zelda games uh, because Capcom actually developed them. But yeah, they are, wildly uh, enough. Uh, yeah, but they are, uh, but they're well received and they're a great addition to that. And Metroid Two: Return of Samus is also coming there too, so people can play it and find out how bad that game is. Uh, find out just like like wow, they put in so much work into Samus uh, Samus Returns into making that a that a good game compared mm-hmm. to the original. Uh. And then you can, and then people can actually play old Fire Emblem with uh, without like uh, being like, "Wow, this game's archaic and it kind of sucks." Because like now you'll be able to rewind <laughs> it uh, without like an in-game system. That's true. That's true. <coughs> I'm talking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> Some people need that, and and those people are are named Tuesday. Some people need that. Those people have played Fire Emblem Engage and really like Fire Emblem Engage. (laughs) (laughs) So switching over to our topic for the week. Uh, Me and Tuesday played a bit of Multiverses. Uh, This is at... uh, during the season two of the what they are still calling the open beta, even though they are taking money for things now, so uh, I always feel weird for games to call themselves a beta but are still charging microtransactions. But whatever. Yeah, we live uh, in a weird capitalist uh, society. <laughs> yeah, well, it, yeah, they're just the reality things, but you know. Uh, so the first thing you do in the game is it puts you through a very basic t- tutorial, the mechanics. Uh, some of them are pretty obvious things for people who played video games and or Smash Brothers before, like the way movement happens, the way attacks happen, so on and so forth. Um, but... Uh, the thing that is different, uh, and this is a pretty significant difference, is that uh, you can't mash out the same attack over and over again and have it be successful. Because if you use the same attack more than once in a row, then you get uh, a at- uh, attack delay. Um, and something they introduced, and I thought, like, oh, interesting, they want to prevent people from just mashing out the same attack over and over again. Yeah, attack uh, what delay, are... also known as the anti-Tuesday system. <laughs> it's funny how, like, they... I can understand why, from a mechanical point of, a point of view, might you might want to have it, but, like, also in a game that you want to attract children, yeah. putting in that sort of stuff, I, I thought, like, is this really a smart idea? 
Um, yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking too, because like, um, while there is a competitive scene for Super Smash Brothers, uh, it's filled with crazy people. Um, but like, <laughs> the biggest draw is probably for like families with not necessarily like five, six year olds, but you're kind of hitting like 10, 12, that kind of area. You want them to have like a little party game, and that's kind of the void that Smash Brothers can fill. Um, if 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 not playing Mario Party, this definitely kind of lies into leans into the technical stuff that Smash Brothers doesn't, and I don't know that that's a good thing, especially considering some of the character choices, which you and I referenced. We don't know some of these things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, I think the way I put it to you is that um, the. This game probably has characters from everybody's childhood, but it's from different people's childhoods. Yeah. Uh, and the amount of people that are intimately familiar with all of the characters in this game is going to be really, really small. Yeah. Because it includes characters from a fairly recent cartoon series aimed at children, like Adventure Time and Steven Universe... Uh, and on the on the other end of the spectrum, there's Arya Stark from the Hard R series Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if you're not looking at the Hard R, you know who's in there? Uh, uh, Gremlins characters, who I can yes. guarantee you children don't know what the Gremlins are. Yeah, that's the other thing is like, is there certain cultish characters like like the Gremlins? That's mm. a good example. Like, there's two Gremlins. There's there's Stripe and there's Gizmo, uh, and I feel like unless you're uh, like you grew up in the '80s, you 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 might not know who the who who the Gremlins are. Mm. Uh, like, that kind of feels like a, you know, Daddy, what's a gizmo sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, Weirdly enough, the target audience for this game feels like uh, parents um, parents with children who are at the age of, like, 12. <laughs> Which is yeah. a very weirdly specific audience. Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, there's certainly certain characters that... Uh, are kind of eternal that they own like the like the Bugs Bunnies of the world like your Batman's your Superman like sure everybody knows who they are but mm-hmm. um, once you get past that there's some characters that are uh, that it does feel like you know yeah that that's a choice uh, uh, and every, everybody after the tutorial they unlock Shaggy uh, now Shaggy is the he is the he is the plain vanilla character of this. Uh, he can punch and kick and throw a sandwich and power up because this is Ultra Instinct Shaggy. Uh, that's apparently canon now. Mm-hmm. Um, a very strange and, choice. Again, like, it kind of goes <laughs> into the, this is a weird deep cut, but... Yeah. And, uh, and you know what? Like, I actually found Shaggy to be one of the most usable characters in the game because he is so straightforward. Like... Mm. Uh, and and he's kind of Captain Falcon like in a in a way, and I'm a I am a fan of Captain Falcon in Smash Brothers. Uh, yeah, I th- I think the, the reason that I didn't play him too much is because he's kind of too vanilla. <laughs> 
he is exceedingly vanilla and just like how his like his attacks like when you do a direction and attack it's like yeah it's it's about everything you would expect it to do um uh his he has a projectile and throwing a sandwich you can power up all of those things by uh by hitting his special button and powering up for a few seconds uh I, like he was probably one of my t- top two most effective characters, just because everything he does is relatively good. Yeah. So, uh, I so I used him uh, a decent amount, but yeah, he uh, he definitely was was what he was, and, and at least he was like easy enough to figure out. I can see why he is the character that everybody gets. And though to that regard, I really think that every character could use their own move tutorial in this game. Uh, I realize that Skullgirls has spoiled me forever, um, but there's just some mechanics around some of the characters that could use some like better explaining, like uh, a little bit of a little bit more handholding for like. Okay, why you should you use this move? Like, or like, why why is this move useful? Why should you use it? What is the situation? Like, is this a team a team attack? Because some some moves are also beneficial to your teammate as well. Yeah, um, I remember I was playing as Garnet and I started singing, and I was like, David, I'm singing. I don't know what it does, and you're like, it buffs me, and I'm like, I how am I supposed to know that? <laughs> it buffs both Garnet and her partner. Uh, uh, and you can you can only tell that because like little notes appear above their head. It's just like okay, that that, that gives them a small buff. Um, and like certain characters, like Rain Dog, which is the original character, do not steal of this game uh, that was created by Player First Games, um, who I don't know why anybody would want to play because it's a wolf reindeer thing or whatever. But uh, anyways, like that has a lot of moves built around working with your teammate. So it, it almost feels like a borderline support character. So, so yeah, like there, and, and whatever faults this game has, it's definitely not on the complexity and the variety of the roster. I think the characters are actually pretty decently complex and pretty different. Uh, like, in fact, uh, like almost going back to the whole, like this is, should be a game for children sort of thing. It almost they almost feel too different in a way. Like s- some characters feel like are much harder to use than others, uh, and uh, and they and their utility as a byproduct of that like is much more limited. Uh, yeah, for sure. Like I uh, most of the time when we were playing, I played as Wonder Woman because uh, she was a easy to get and b I wanted to play as her in the beginning. Um, but like she, I was expecting sort of a Link character. She was a little bit like weirdly kind of technical in ways that I didn't like. Um, but like at the same time, it was like okay, this is a decent enough character to learn. Versus when I played as I believe it was Jake the dog a couple times, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. This doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, give us a rundown on under on Wonder Woman, like her. Like I know she has a ability that like gives a brief sh- a shield, but like her, her functionality and whatnot. Like since you're you're the one who spent way more times playing Wonder Woman than I did. Yeah. So like her um, basic attacks usually involve her sword, um, occasionally like her fists, but like her special attacks involve her lasso of truth and her shield. 
in such that um, the shield can be deployed as like just right in front of you and then you're surrounded by a shield for a little bit, which protects you from damage for a short period of time. Uh, her up special is um, using the shield to like kind of jump up and do a jump attack like that and that protects you while you're in the air, but then once you hit the ground, that vanishes. Um, the Lasso of Truth, I didn't necessarily like it being on the button that it was because it was like a little bit of a um, scorpion get over here kind of thing where it felt yeah. like it should be a grapple and not its own distinct move. Um, but that wasn't the case, um, which which weirded me out because um, I'm going to compare this to Link in, in, in Smash Bros. Is that Link traditionally uh, uses the hook shot for um, the grapple attack, which is, is good. It's like a nice little lore reference, and, and it works functionally. I was kind of expecting Lasso of Truth to do that, but no, it's its own full attack, um, which kind of made it hard for me to utilize effectively. I think I've only landed it, like, twice on people. Um, and and because of the weird attack delay kind of thing, it kind of made Wonder Woman especially hard to use because, like, both the shield and the whip were, like, on their own meter as well. Uh, so, like, Wonder Woman was okay, but I felt like sh like she was too limited with her own systems. Yeah, I uh, I would agree. Like, I tried using her a little bit, and I didn't really like her that much. And to your point, like, there's certain special abilities, and this is on every character, and they might have more or less abilities that have, but, but yeah, like, there's certain abilities that, like, are just put on cooldown. Mm -hmm. uh, which, like, again, I understand from a gameplay perspective, balancing perspective, why you would do that. But at the same time... Uh, it also feels weird, weirdly technical in like how many abilities can be on cooldown at the same time for one character, uh, and it also makes certain character like it also makes certain abilities just inherently less useful since like you use them and then like maybe they're down for like I don't know ten seconds or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, and that changes the way you approach things. Like, Which in a fighting game, ten seconds is a long time. Yeah, even in a platform fighter like this. I mean, part of the reason why Shaggy is so good is because his sandwich, uh, there is no cooldown. Like, you have to pluck it out of the ground every time, but, like, you can do that as many times as you want. Uh, whereas, like, for Garnet, who I'm going to talk about next, like, her gloves forward projectile, which, like, you can direct a little bit and it homes a little bit, uh, like, that's on a pretty long cooldown after you use it. Mm. Uh, and and after that, you have to go to her melee attacks. And I liked her combos, and I liked the way that, like, they hit, they hit hard and they covered good range. But, like, as I kind of discovered in the universal rule for platform fighters, it's harder, like, characters that are slower are just lower, lower tier. Uh, because it's just going to be harder to to hit characters, especially in a game like where there are no hard. Well, some certain characters have some hard block like abilities, but uh, but what everybody has is instead a dodge, mm -hmm. and uh, and the dodge, you, like as far as I can tell, like high level play is probably about it, about it a lot. But like um, like Garnet's moves are so telegraphed, like. Uh, I was, like, even the computer was, like, often dodging through them. Uh, 
Uh, and and that's really her big weakness is that like is just all of her moves come out pretty slowly, uh, and that's just a, a limiting factor to like somebody who's primarily a a, a brawling character. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, not not super well balanced in that area. Like putting putting moves on cooldown in a fighting game, not a good idea in my eyes. Yeah, it, it's like I said, I understand why from a balancing perspective you do it, but like also at the same time, it does feel just weirdly technical how much you have to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, we, we did some uh, like online matches. I mostly did while I was trying to just, just like do my dailies or whatever. I was generally doing that against spots. Especially since I feel like that's that's really the only way to train, uh, like and get used to characters' moves, since there are no character tutorials or anything like that. But, um, uh, the, but yeah, early on, like matches range from borderline training matchups uh, against barely disguised bots. Like I noted that a couple of times when we were going into matchmaking and just like, Oh, Hey, like, you know, here's two real people. And I felt like the game was almost winking at us. Like, uh, uh, like, you know, wow, look at how good you are. Like, but I, I didn't, I wasn't really buying that. Like, because bots behave in a particular sort of way. Uh, and, and the, those get like the like even bad players behave in a different way that bots do, and they were just behaving like bots. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and that's a pretty common thing for a lot of games like this. Uh, is that they will often in initial matches just like throw you into matches with bots. So it can be like, you know, wow, look at how good you're doing. So, like, basically you avoid the thing that happened when we actually got paired up against actual people uh, where we just got absolutely pounded into the dirt. Uh, mm-hmm. Usually usually yeah. by uh, people who have definitely paid money for multiverses. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, and uh, it... Uh, and I will say this regard, like this isn't the character we play, really played mo- uh, much of, but like just as far as characters that other people seem to like and seem to be top tier, Bugs Bunny was used a lot, uh, and Bugs Bunny, perhaps appropriately, is kind of irritating to fight, uh, in no small part because he is just summoning a bunch of stuff on screen, like safes and and rockets. And stuff like that. Like, he's pretty quick. Like, he's just filling up the screen with stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's kind of the problem between, like, whatever player-first games envisioned this game would be and what it actually comes down to a multiplayer, which, as far as I can tell, is just characters, um, like, especially in a team, just, like, uh, just crashing forward and spamming as many attacks as they possibly can as quickly as possible. Right, uh, right. It, like, that's kind of the thing, is that with, like, I know that this game did win Best Fighting Game of, of 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Um, time isn't real. But, uh, but like, when I'm playing this and then I'm thinking about playing Smash, I'm like, huh, I guess I'd rather be playing Smash right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I would, I would have to agree. Um, 
it's it's unfortunate, but like it it was very difficult to get like good online matchups. Uh, like that's that's always the failing of of anything like this. Uh, yeah, but uh, the another annoying character I found was like Tom and Jerry. Uh, like, like he, like Tom, Tom has like an ability where like he's hitting a paddle ball up in the air. Uh, and it just felt like one of those, like, Hey, yo, this is a fighting game. And they screwed up the, the hitboxes, uh, on this. And like, it just seemed to hit like not only up, but like to the sides a bit, uh, too much. So like, and Tom would, can also, like, throw Jerry across the screen, and Jerry can use, like, a champagne bottle. Like, that's another character that can just cause a lot of chaos on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so Tom and Jerry seem super good. Also, I noticed that, like, Finn uh, has a sword uh, and a couple abilities that, like, just let him... It seemingly have more range than most characters, uh, and he he doesn't really suffer for it as far as like how fast his attacks come out. So, I noticed Finn getting used a lot too. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I was in quite a few matches with a Finn, and it's like, ugh, gross. Yeah, mostly because people are better than me at this game. But well, yeah, there 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 was certainly that. I mean, like we were. Uh, I mean, we, we, I realize we're only scratching a surface to, to a degree, but, uh, you know, we, we were trying and an attempt was made. Uh, yeah. And, uh, the moving back to other characters, like I, uh, I am like Black Adam, um, and Black Adam is an interesting mix of, to make a Smash Brothers comparison, like Mewtwo and Pikachu, uh, He's kind of a floaty character with uh, with attacks like like me too, but he also has like a couple of electricity attacks that are very that are kind of evocative of Pichu or Pikachu. Um, and yeah, he uh, he was uh, it, it it was interesting to use. It was, it was interesting to try and use him. He also had like a uh, uh, descending attack while. Uh, while he was floating, like he would shoot out a couple of lightning bolts at medium range, like that 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 move was was pretty okay. Uh, but uh, he again felt like another character that was like interesting. But uh, they even labeled him in there, like the different characters have a la- labels from like beginner to expert and whatnot. Uh, Black Adam was labeled as experimental. Uh, and I'm not quite sure what that means, but maybe that's like, you know, Hey, we haven't really perfected the balancing of this character yet. Yeah. Um, this, this character, uh, is, is, uh, indie rock in, in that, uh, he's just kind of, he's just kind of putting stuff together and, uh, we're, we're supporting that. (laughs) It's, it's just jamming things out in the basement. Yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, you you played some uh, some Harley Quinn. What are uh, I, as I noted, like the completely unsurprising when yeah. you had some gold. Uh, I was just like, oh, like an, oh, you unlike Harley Quinn? What a huge surprise! Uh, yeah, Harley Quinn was interesting. Like again, not in love with limiting uh, the moves that you can do, um, but she was. I, I liked her a little bit better than Wonder Woman. She was definitely a little bit faster. Um, 
Her biggest, um, her playstyle kind of seemed to revolve around using balloons as traps in a way, um, which yeah. I wasn't super great at, but it definitely like had a uh, way to help yourself out if you're like falling and you need to not be falling. Uh, you can pop the balloons down and then jump on them and save yourself, or you can like push someone into them and then they can like fall uh, or like end up in the air and unable to protect themselves. But Harley seemed to be better at comboing in a game that, like, kind of, to me, doesn't love uh, letting you combo unless you're, like, crazy, like, technical and smart at fighting games, which I'm not. Um, but, like, she was fun. Uh, she was a little bit faster. I She actually felt more like Link than the character who looked and should have played like Link played like link in in whatever way that makes sense <laughs> yeah it, harley seemed to rely on a lot of uh, tricks and traps uh and i will also say as far as like gabbiness um like bugs money talks a lot uh harley quinn talked quite a bit as well uh so that's one of those for whatever it's worth fortunately they they kept down the chirpiness of certain other characters uh like uh, as I noted for for Rick from Rick and Morty, he has a move that just summons Mr. Meeseeks, mm. uh, and if that was like the cartoon, then Mr. Meeseeks would say every time, like you know, hey, I'm Mr. Meeseeks, that's me. And since that's just a, a move that is not on cooldown, that could just be spammed again and again and again. And I would not want to live in that universe. Win, where, win where, by making your opponents DC. <laughs> DC due to Mr. Meeseeks. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I I also spent a little bit of time with, with Arya. Uh, she's a little harder to use. Uh, but I eventually kind of copped to what she was trying to do. Like... She's actually the most like a Fire Emblem character because she uses her sword Needle. Um, and most of her moves involve using her sword. That is kind of the, uh, as you noted, the uh, the odd thing about like special attacks and regular attacks is that the difference between them in, in like their visual variety is often kind of not there. Mm -hmm. uh, like... Like, in most of Arya's moves, special attack or not, like, she's just kind of swinging her sword. Yeah. Um, but, like, she has she has good speed and uh, decent range, and she also has a, quote, face-stealing ability. Uh, and that lets her use a move of whomever she's, she steals the face of. Uh, uh, and that that's some neat adaptability. So, I eventually, like... Uh, it, that was just more of an uh, a, uh, an adaptation to like the particular way she fights and figuring out what was good for her. But like, I liked Arya okay by the end. Like, definitely not my best character. Mm -hmm. uh, I this kind of goes back to the first point that we were talking about is that like I had to ask you. I was like, what the heck is with Arya's like face stealing kind of thing? Uh, I also did not know she was an assassin. You were like, have you read any of Game of Thrones? I was like, no, indeed, I have not. Yeah, yeah, or, or watch the show. Yeah, like, she's one of the main characters of it. I'm reluctant to say protagonist, but um, in the series where, like, uh, 
in a series where you characters. don't want to be the protagonist. Well, there is that, but also like about twenty characters could be argued to be the protagonist, but uh, but she is certainly a, an important character. Uh, and I mean, like, there's even things where, like, I think after a movie, she produces quote Arius uh, pie. Uh, which is a very specific reference. Like it is 100% like the area from the series, like not really that uh, censored that much. Mm. Uh, and, uh, uh, and I, I did think it was cute. Like if she, if she like revives after getting knocked out, one of the things she'll say is not today, which is uh, a reference to the show. Like whenever, like among her, the assassins, the faceless men, like they, they have a saving, like what, what do we say to the many faced God, the many faced God being death. And that is not today. Uh, so, uh, but like a ton of stuff in there that like, unless you follow the show, you're going to be immensely just confused about Aria. Yeah. Uh, she, she makes a ton of references to, uh, obtuse knowledge. For, like she mentions her list, uh, again, like that, like if you know the show, then you you know Arya's assassination list. But uh, if you know, it, then it just has to be uh, has to be very inferred. But yeah. Um, so uh, uh, Tuesday, you you played a little bit a bit of Superman, right? Uh, just a teeny tiny bit, enough to like say he seems fine. I the thing that I think I was kind of bummed about though is that like. And this is something that happens a lot with Superman uh, by his nature is that he's hard to capture effectively um, in that, like, he didn't feel super strong. He sure did not feel super strong. He felt normal strong, which, like, in a fighting game, you're kind of going to have to deal with. Um, I think the most effective move, and you called me out on my weeb, uh, is that he has a um, punch flurry. Uh, which I call the stand rush, which <laughs> is uh, I don't I don't care I'm right. Um, he the the thing about Superman is that like he has heat vision to like kind of stun enemies up into the air, but I didn't really find any effective use for it once they were in the air. Um, Superman was a lot better of a character on the ground. He could also like use his freeze breath. But that would take like 15 seconds of continued exposure to it in a platform fighter where you're kind of constantly supposed to be moving around. So that wasn't too great. But he was fine. He was not my favorite character. He was just fine. You know, I uh, I will say for my part, uh, Superman was probably my second best character after Shaggy. Uh, and... Uh, and again, like, it's just, like, he's pretty straightforward, but yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with the straightforward. Like, he, he, pun he like, he does a punch flurry, his, uh, his basic attack, like, he has a charge-up punch. I think the, the laser eyes are mainly just a way to, like, keep people off the ground and, like, and kind of attack them from the air a little bit. Like, mm. since it works in the air, that makes it far better. I also like his forward... Uh, a t uh, like special attack in the air, which is just him flying forward a bit. And if he catches an enemy, he like pitches them up and punches them away. So like, it's kind of a grab. Uh, that's good. Also his, his up special on the ground. Like he, uh, uh, like he'll do a, a, an uppercut in the air and then like come down and smash into the ground. And all of those things are potential hits. Uh, and, uh, and I like that quite a bit. So, 
Um, and Superman's a relatively heavy character, yeah. uh, as far as I can tell. And like a lot of his attacks have armor, meaning that they will uh, absorb a decent amount of damage and still go off. So, uh, so yeah, like I, uh, I, I, I like I liked using Superman. Like they, that's kind of the thing about like I thought Black Adam was cool, but like again, so many of his moves on like weird cooldowns and his on attack strings just meant that like he was just a little bit harder to use like superman straightforward but i knew what i was doing with him mm. i could i could i could consistently win with superman at least against the ai um uh, I, I didn't feel like i was totally embarrassing with superman so now uh as as far as the monetization of multiverses there's three levels of founder packs from $40 to $60 and a hundred dollars. Uh, among other th bonuses grant 15, 20 and 30 automatic character unlocks. Currently, as of the time of this recording, there are only 21 characters and everyone gets shaggy as noted. Uh, also included is some amount of gleamium, which is the game's primary currency. Uh, Gleamium is necessary to unlock most of the cosmetics and can be used on the char uh, to get characters. Though every character can be unlocked with gold, which is the free currency. So, if you want to say as far as like, hey, the only quote important thing to get, which are the characters, they can all be unlocked for free. Uh, and a handful are always available free to use uh, at any time, and they rotate, uh, which is very that's very much like the League of Legends model right there. Um, now the, uh, the, the premium battle pass itself, it costs an insidious 950 gleamium, uh, which the approximate cost of gleamium being what one per penny, uh, you of course can't just buy that much. Uh, it's either a thousand gleamium or, uh, or 450 gleamium, uh, the, it's worth noting that the premium battle class, uh, in the rewards you can unlock, it includes no gleamium, uh, only only cosmetics. So, uh, so yeah. As far as I can gather, the only way to get gleamium is to put money in the game. Gross. Uh, yep. Uh, I just note that as compared to a service game that's. Uh, as I've known before, like I played for a while, like Magic the Gathering Arena, there were two uh, currencies in that game, gold and gems. You can actually get gems by playing certain elements in the game and doing well. Uh, and that will basically... Pay, and so in that way, you can kind of convert gold to gems. Uh, as far as I can tell, there is no such way to do that in multiverses. So... Uh, so it, it's like, hey, every game has to make their own separate choices for like how people can acquire things. But uh, multiverses has basically made basically everything except the characters themselves something that you have to put money into the game. Now, all that said, with the customization, I do think that the skins look pretty impressive. They they sometimes even like change what the characters say, mm -hmm. not just how they look. Uh like there, uh, like one of the uh, there's a Rick skin which is SEAL Team Rick's, uh, and he looks completely different and has a different uh, X-Fill animation. Uh, 
and yeah, they're you know full credit to them. There's uh, I uh, there's even Dwayne Johnson as uh, the the Rock, which I think is just called the Man in Black. But you look at it and go like, yeah, that's the Rock. Yeah. Uh, but still, that's 200, uh, two hundred, sorry, two thousand gleamium. Uh, so it's like, hmm, do I want to pay twenty dollars to play as Dwayne Johnson? No, not not for me, not for me at all. Uh, I did note that like recently there has been a very decisive series called Velma that has come out. Are you aware of this? No. Uh, Okay, well, they, perhaps that's just as well. Oh, like, oh, okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it is reimagined the character of Velma. Um, a lot of people don't like it for various reasons, but uh, I, whether good or bad, I noted that the Velma in this game does not have this new Velma as a skin. Uh, and uh, given the reception to this Velma series, uh, that may never happen, and that probably is just as well. Um, now you brought up the idea like since we were in randos and we were just getting uh, pounded down just like hey maybe going into ranked maybe we'll have some actual fair matchups we did not go into ranked because there's a really high bar to get into ranked Uh, you have to get up to account level 50 uh and I believe I maxed out, uh, and I was the one who put more time in the game, and I got up to like account level twenty one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, that is quite a slog to get up to ranked, frankly. Yeah. Uh, pro- probably too high. Uh, mm-hmm. Like unless it's like super like, hey, this is the competitive part. Like just playing random matches with random people. Like, I think, did we even win one against Randos? Um, I did, uh, I won a, uh, a game with a, with a, with a Rando. Okay. Uh, like, before, but not, but us team together, like, no, we, we did, we did not, we did not win. We, we got a little better as time got, as time got on, and, like, I, I basically figured things out with, with Superman a little bit. Um, but no, we, we didn't actually win. It it did feel good to actually feel competitive as opposed to just like having again like Bugs Bunny just seemingly be teleporting around the map and just smashing us in the face constantly. Yeah. Uh, Screw that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and that's a that's another thing is like it the package feels a bit bare bones right now with multiverses. Did you get that sense too? Yeah, for uh, sure. Like compare that to like even Smash Ultimate, which is not the most like robust version of Smash. Um, like, oh man, there's a lot more to do in Smash Ultimate than there is in multiverses. Yeah. Uh, like they they did implement an arcade mode, which is kind of neat, but like honestly. There's very little incentive to do that over, frankly, just a, like, just a bots mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, just playing, just doing randos with bots. Like, because it, it functionally comes down to the same thing, since there's no real big reward for playing the arcade mode, other than saying you, you did it. And it does even admit that, like, in a beta, that, like, the... Uh, that the arcade mode is also a beta. 
so it's a double beta. Uh, and, uh, and really, at this point, that's kind of it, like, other than grinding for characters, since, like, most of the cosmetics you cannot grind for. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you, you just, you can't, you literally cannot grind out Gleamium. Um, so, uh, even with the positive reception early, um, two, two multiverses, it was actually recently re- revealed... Uh, this is some reporting by Video Games Chronicle um, that uh, uh, that the uh, according to Steam database uh, the uh, peak player count uh, has been dropped to the point where it was below a thousand for the first time recently as of mid-February uh this was compared to like uh, the near launch remark, which was uh, about a uh, uh, hundred and fifty million or million a thousand, not million. That'd be ridiculous, but still. Uh, and that's that is an over ninety nine percent drop mm-hmm. in the number of players. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of telling to how uh, minimal the game is. Like in in that like if that's all there is to do, then you're gonna have a lot of people bouncing off. Yeah, and uh, and the last character and like new content is lifeblood to these sorts of service games, and multiverses as of this this time like in season two only had one character and that was Marvin the Martian added and that was November fifteenth. So, like, that was a few months ago at this point. Yeah. Um, and uh, as noted, like, I experienced this this in-game, and it's covered in this story. Uh, it w- Season 3 was supposed to start in the middle of February. However, Player First Games uh, announced, and they kind of cheekishly put it, like, due to, play, like, player feedback and unlocking more things from the Battle Pass... We have decided to push back season three to March thirty first. Uh, mm. Yeah, and uh, and as far as I can tell online, that was not due to player feedback, since people are are not happy with that. Since like, I mean, new seasons, new content, like that brings not only new people to the game, but it brings people back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, and hopefully with the promise that like, hey. Maybe you will have like rebalanced the game a little bit since, like, as we noted, like there are worse balanced games, but like there are still some balance issues to this game. Mm. Uh, they they it needs some work. Uh, yeah, and and uh, I don't know about you, but if a uh, new content patch is pushed back, that's kind of the first uh, signs of the service game's gonna be shut down. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> yeah, indeed. Like it is a worrying sign for like again, like uh, even though like this is a space that that they almost own exclusively, like this service um, uh, platform fighter genre, like with a bunch of very recognizable characters. Uh, but like, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, 
uh, I don't know if they expected um, uh, like more people to c come in. It's also worth noting that like uh, True Achievements, which uh, uses uh, the Xbox game chart, uh, it uh, that's n that is more approximate. That's more like a scanning of like certain accounts. But like it's, it estimates that uh, the active player count is four percent of what it was at launch, uh, and outside of the top one hundred online games played on Xbox, like again, uh, very not good. So, uh, uh, and as noted, like I, I feel like it can also be discouraging that like, again, even beyond like unlocking characters, it is kind of one of those things that like okay, like if you're a free player. And you're unlocked all of the characters. What is there for you to do? Really? Nothing. Like, yeah, basically, like it's there's very little incentive to come back since like since you can't grind out Gleemium, uh, and you uh, and you can't get all of the cool skins that way. Like because again, like of monetization decisions that they have made, uh, and yeah, like I can. Uh, I mean, like I, I obviously like didn't get enough gold to unlock all the. I, I only only got a handful of characters, but still, it like, uh, like at the end of it, I was like, you know, yeah, I am fine with putting this game down for now. It's not like I've had a bad game, a bad time with this, but like, I'm, I'm gonna put this down. Maybe in the future I will pick it back up again. I don't know, but. Uh, Hearing stories about this, like the drop off in player count and like the delayed next season, uh, that is troublesome to hear. Particularly with like as I started out the podcast talking about the fact that so many service games are shutting down. Mm -hmm. uh, Maybe it was, uh, and, would have been a better idea to just make a full paid game, but what do <laughs> I know? You know, like the. Uh, it's it's the darn if you do, darn if you don't. Like maybe it's it's like hey, wouldn't have gotten funding if it uh, if it hadn't been this. But like uh, at the end, like uh, like maybe it's shot itself in the foot because it's decided on this gameplay model and um, yeah, it, uh, it 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 is what it is. All all I know is that like I I hope they manage to frankly. Uh, put some more cool characters in here, do some balancing in it. Since like there, there is a good core here, but uh, I don't think it's inaccurate to call this a beta in some way, since it feels so threadbare, mm -hmm. and the characters do feel like they need some rejiggering, frankly. Uh, so that's the reason why we put up. Uh, in the description of this, like uh, the Multiverses Beta Season 2, since, I mean, maybe we will revisit this in the future. Maybe not. We're not going to commit to anything here. Yeah. But, if, it, if it still stands <laughs> and is actually playable and decent, well, maybe we'll see, but yeah. that's yeah. not a guarantee. Yeah. yeah. We're not saying not saying yes, not saying no, but we'll, we'll see how this game evolves. Like, they, if a uh, it is the adv advantage and disadvantage of a live service game is that 
Uh, it can be something can be resuscitated, but it also means it can die. Um, what the fate of multiverses will be, I don't know. I guess we will see. But uh, that are our thoughts on multiverses. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we after a uh, a recent encounter with a with a mobile game, uh, it really frankly piqued my interest in potentially uh, t- t- uh, putting off the idea of Floated before about like just talking about my experience in mobile games in the <laughs> past doing doing that topic uh, since. Yeah, like it, it put it, it made me realize that like you know yeah mobile games haven't improved in that regard maybe even gotten worse. Uh, so they like to talk about the that uh, talk about things like Scalebound, super superheroes in in games things like that. We'll we'll see, but. Uh, but uh, anyways, we're th- thank you all for listening, and hopefully we will see you all next time. Until then.